Hey Boomers, welcome once again to another episode of Sonic the Comic, the podcast. As usual, we are your humans who think we're in charge. He's Dave Boomer. And he's Chris McFeely. And we've got for you issue number 56. When did that one come out? Cover dated 21st of July, but released on the 8th of July. So we're well into the summer now. It's a lovely summer's day here at STC Towers. I've got the windows open, so you're probably going to hear some more traffic than usual at some point during the recording. I make no apologies. It's a little cooler over here. I have a window closed uh, i don't have, haven't had to open it but, but it's not too bad but it has been whew, the last couple of days yeah we've been getting that stinking feeling if we haven't oh, been opening the windows chris beat me to <laughs> it oh we both saw the same little segue and you just went there quicker than i could yes that stinking feeling i always remember this cover puzzling hmm. me greatly because it oh, yeah. it lands on the tiniest little insignificant moment from the sonic strip this issue and makes Mm. a whole cover out of it that stinking feeling sonic's brush with bad breath and the cover illustration is a carl flint cover illustration as it so often is is of sonic grappling with the slave master from the badnik processing plant who we met in the previous issue of Mm -hmm. this two-part story and it's just sonic with his hands holding this crocodile lizard guy's jaws open with a clothes peg on his nose for this lizard chap has terrible breath bad breath that is coming out his mouth into Sonic's face. (laughs) And, you know, the funny thing is that I often confuse this cover with another cover, because, like, Mm -hmm. sometime in the next six months, there's going to be another cover that's all about poo, stink, and green gas fumes. Oh, yeah, so there is. I always mix them up in my head. Yeah. Double-fisted knuckles. Ooh, matron. Chaotix capers, punchy pin-up, and... In the graphic zone, what is described here on the cover as your holiday art. We'll be describing it in other terms later. Mm, Yes. (laughs) Plus, also, we got Sparkster and Kid Chameleon inside. We're definitely settling into a pattern. The, the more time marches on, we've settled into more of a pattern now where, where Megadroid and the control zone just repeats what's on the cover. No harm yeah. to the lad or anything, but, no. but yeah. He says if he had any teeth, he'd be raring to get him into this snappy issue. See, at least he's focusing in on that aspect of the cover with the snapping yeah, jaws uh, yeah, of the lizard. Yeah, that's man. what it is. Yeah. To be honest, I think I've always sort of thought of Megadroid as having teeth, though. Oh dear, thing. really? Because well, look at the look at the, the picture of him. You know, I feel like I've always thought the area that is the cartridge <laughs> slot is coloured white, whereas the rest yes. of them is yellow. So I've always thought of those as his, as his teeth in his big grinning mouth. I suppose it depends on your definition of teeth. I've always seen it as a slot, but I certainly thought of it as one that could snap open and closed, you know. So yeah, you wouldn't want to put a finger in there. But also, if you did, it wouldn't be the points of the teeth that would be the problem. It would be the, the shutting motion. Yeah, there'd be a big flat shutter. He's got a... A crushing yes, uh, blow a... rather than a piercing. Mm. <laughs> You'll have noticed from the front cover there's something whiffy afoot, and I'm not talking <laughs> Sonic's power sneakers. Yeah. All will be revealed in the concluding part of the Sonic story. Like, yeah, I hope you weren't waiting for a big payoff on that. <laughs> yeah, what's, a one what's panel the gag. twist? <laughs> yeah, and what's revealed is the same thing as in the cover. Yeah, this lizard has bad breath. That's yep, it. that's the joke, folks. STC is given the complete MOT, the Megadroid overhaul treatment. Points to that. Yeah, I'm happy with that. There you go, that's fine. From issue 58, yes, we had this <laughs> mentioned last issue, didn't we? But Megadroid yes. also points out this time that he also gets an overhaul, making me even more oh, attractive. Oh, gosh, is this when it happens? It is. 
characters. It felt like later on than this. Mm. Wow. Well, or see, I say that, we've been at it for two flipping years. And in 11, 12, 13-year-old years, that's, what, 10, that is 25? forever. Like, <laughs> that's an inconceivable amount of time to have passed. Yeah. And when you think about how many more years the thing is going to go on for, mm. crazy. Crazy. Mm -hmm. All this for an extra 5p. We knew that. But boomers rest assured that the new look will be even funkier than Knuckles Dreads. No no apostrophe there or anything. Even funkier than Knuckles Knuckles Dreads. Just the dreads you have coming out of your knuckles. Yeah, the Knuckles Dreads. I've never thought of Knuckles' dreads as being especially funky, but... No. They're really on... I don't know. They're on a mission with these references to his dreads recently. We did the summer Mm. special not so very long ago, and they were making cracks about dreads up and down. I mean, the red dreaded dude is their nickname for him, but even so, man. Yeah. I'm surprised that we don't get more sort of punk comments about Sonic's hairdo. Yeah. we don't. Mohawk, yeah. Yeah. I used to say that I never really bought it. I mean, I don't know if they were designed to be dreadlocks or not. I know. I can't tell. Yeah. But then... Knuckles' shoes are designed to be like the Jamaican flag, so it might be in a yeah, national design. If they are. Yeah. If they are. Do we know they are? It's not just a coincidence. Well, that's true. I don't know that. I've just I'm just repeating mm. the thing everybody says. I know, but some of the rot that you find on Sonic fan wikis. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I mean we'll be looking at a source of misinformation that's confused us for years later on in this issue. And then also, in sort of a UK nineties like mindset what Jamaica stuff means was something completely different, perhaps, than what it meant in a Japanese character designer's mind, you know? There may have been completely different... Uh, you know what I mean? There might have been different Maybe. cultural opinions of what that stood for. I so, mean, like, certainly, I know, as a kid, I never no. perceived that, you know. And yeah. you said, I, I mean, I do remember reading fan fiction on the internet very, very yeah. early in my time yeah. on the internet, which did give Knuckles a Jamaican accent. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed that that was an American thing. But obviously, the idea of Oh, Knuckles, that that was what he is in Archie or whatever. Yeah, well, that mm. he was in Archie or just something America had decided upon or whatever. I don't remember exactly what I thought. Mm. So, obviously, I mean, that idea has existed since as long as Knuckles himself, basically. Mm. Of course, our Knuckles' shoes are inverted. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, now this. We don't get that so much. It's so interesting to me that, that that is the sort of detail that is the sort of detail I would have noticed. But I did not. Whenever anyone brings it up, I'm like, oh, yes, one of those newfangled ideas people care about now suddenly. But it's like, no, come on, I could have spotted it then. I didn't. And I would have obsessed over it myself had I done. (laughs) As it was, I was just confused about how to colour him in. Down the middle, we do have another one of those little features I like to see where we have photos (laughs) from uh, boomers. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog is Mm. the title. It's two photographs of dogs sent in by two different people. Um... The first one, and they're Sonic-y in some way. The mm. first one... In fact, you could say they're Sonic-y in opposite ways to each other. Yes. The first one is basically like... It's dog central. It's There is a camera set up on the world's most doggiest hub. <laughs> because there's... not Just in shot, you can only imagine what's out of shot. In this small close-up shot, there's two dogs. And what looks like two, certainly one, framed pictures of dogs on the walls. This is Somebody an incredibly dogsy sort dogs. of place. Yes. I mean, yeah. And um, now I don't know what kind of dog is what. I don't know about breeds of dog. Same. Wait a minute. I'm going to call in our dog correspondent. Hang on. <laughs> Abby Bulmer, dog correspondent, answering your questions about dogs. We just want to know what breed of dogs these are. I don't know. Oh, I thought you oh, knew dog no. breeds. Not all of them. No, nothing from these. They're nice. 
<laughs> if you've got questions about dogs, send them to Abby Bulmer, dog correspondent. So the crux of this photo is that it's a dog wearing a Sonic t-shirt. Yeah, it's sat there, it's got its nose pointed in the air, it's wearing a Sonic t-shirt, and then the other dog in the background is looking jealous. There's something about the way it's got its head in the air that it it seems as if it's not comfortable in a t funnily enough that the dog is not comfortable in the t-shirt in a t-shirt yeah you might be trying to wriggle it off or or straining away from it <laughs> yeah and then the uh, the other photo uh, that's from david chuck of biggin hill in kent and the caption says could it be a <laughs> a trend satyr <laughs> sensible chuckle oh, oh. and then the other photo from nicholas brackets and katie jones of illinois usa illinois oh look at that they're reading stc well they've gone out of their way to get the correct comic haven't they send that one in yeah i wonder well describe the content of the photo Dave. well it's the opposite of the previous photo yeah. in that this time the dog who is present in the photo it does not appear to be adorned with anything sonic at all but is joined by well Sonic the Hedgehog himself. <laughs> See, this is my question: is I assume Nicholas is yes. the boy in the photograph. Is Katie the dog then? Oh, I was assuming the mum, but yes, but I don't know any mum-aged Katies in the nineties. I only knew child-aged Katie. So yeah, maybe Katie is the dog. Yeah. But no, this is a child, presumably Nicholas Jones, in a full Sonic costume, which is an official purchased. Sonic yeah. costume. I mean, there's only one way you know that for sure, which is the fact that yes. the logo is emblazoned upon the yep. right breast. Correct. Otherwise, yeah, that could have been put together by mum because it's not very good, is it? <laughs> not very, no. But it's made out of the sort of foam that's stitched carefully together that someone at least is serious about making a costume out yes. of. So yeah, it's probably official. Not, not very, not very good. But you can tell there's no mistaking what it's a costume of. It's a... a a person with loads of blue triangles stuck all over them is what it's a costume of. It's just I'm I, I'm surprised it doesn't have the mohawk. It seems it actually mm. seems to have the three rows. Yes, or at least two. It's hard to tell. <laughs> They're sort of splayed out to the sides. Yes, yes you know, you're not quite sure. But uh, anyway, Nicholas looks happy enough, doesn't he? He does. He's rather happy. Yeah, overjoyed. He's got his costume, he's got his dog. STC has been hounded with photos. Ah. Proving that a boomer's best... Jo- There's another missing apostrophe. Proving that a boomer's best friend hell? isn't just a hedgehog. Keep sending in... And I love this one. Keep sending in those unusual Sonic-related pics. <laughs> and you could be the one taking a Sonic & Knuckles disposable camera for a walk. Uh. I-, I like that the... They're leaning into that with the unusual now, because, yeah, these pictures, <laughs> like, you know, you get Lego Sonics, and Sonics made a cake, and mm. Sonic costumes, and Sonic... What was the last one we had? Sonic jumpers, Oh, I it? don't know. I can't remember. Um, it was people with... Oh, well, the last one, we had one kid with a Sonic comic stuck on him, and another kid who was just there going like, hi. I <laughs> do, yes. <laughs> I lead the Secret Seven. Doing hi. the fingers, that's right, yeah. <laughs> the Secret it's a grim scene over in the charts, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Brian Lara Cricket in new yeah, at number one. Oh, chased what? all the way down by Winter Olympics, World Cup USA 94, oh, no. FIFA Soccer 95, oh. PGA European Tour oh. Golf, and Rugby World Cup 95, leaving only Balls, Toe Jam and Earl, Road Rash 3, and Eternal Champions as the only real games in the list. And I even would dispute Road Rash being a real game. (laughs) 
that's on the way to sports, and so is balls, just by dint of the fact it's called balls. Well, <laughs> that's sports adjacent, isn't it? They have balls in sport. Hey, what's going on with this at number eight? Down Road Rash 3. Oh, yeah, it must be a goof. It's just gone. Yeah, because it's home. gone down. Yeah. But it's just called Road Rash 3. Except then, on the Mega CD charts, on at number 10, Down Snatcher, which is up. No. What are all these downs getting in everywhere for? They've stopped caring about the charts. They've just, they're not paying <laughs> the any editorial. attention. I assume there isn't a game called Down Snatcher. It's not picking feathers off ducks. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, though, before, now that I'm reminded of it again, I am interested to see what they do with the charts whenever we get the revamp and a couple of issues. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because... The 32X is going to exist. No, the 32X exists. Yes. And the Saturn is going to exist very soon. Very soon. So, um, yeah, the charts are due an overhaul of some kind. And I wonder if that happens whenever they shake Maybe. things up. Or if... Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. That's, that, oh, that's... oh, look, oh, look, Dizzy! Game well, Gear! No, well, well, Number where, six! Where? Fantastic Adventures of Dizzy on the Game Gear! Hey! Hey! Dizzy! Well, <laughs> Re-entered at number six on the Game Gear charts. I mean... Well done, Dizzy. Slipping in right at the end of the uh, Sega chart era, potentially. I was going to say, is there a less significant spot to have? <laughs> number six middle on the of the charts on the Game Gear. But then, of course, there is, and it's 7, 8, 9, and 10 on the Game Gear <laughs> charts. Those are inherently less significant. <laughs> The Great Escape, Part 2, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Roberto Corona. Corona. Colours by Timothy Marks, letters by Ellie DeVille. The Freedom Fighters' mission to rescue some Emerald Hill folk from a Badnik processing plant goes well. Sonic, Amy and Johnny fend off the plant's guards and the Slave Master, while Porker and Tails open the canister they've brought with them to reveal it contains a star post which our heroes are then able to use to teleport the Emerald Hill folk to the safety of the floating island. Starpost. Some Starpost stuff. I like me a bit yes. of Starpost stuff. We were wondering about the square box that they had with them last yes. issue. And yeah, turns out that it was plot relevant. I thought it probably would be. There was something it was so conspicuously right there. But yeah. I liked I liked the way that it didn't flag it up at all. Mm. You know, there's a, a an inverse example of that in a later strip this issue that I'll point out when we get to it, you know. Yes, I know the one you mean. Yes. But I mean, there's something about this two parter that really feels like it could have been a one parter, you know? Yes. Um that is true. I mean, look at page one by itself perfectly good there's nothing wrong with it it reads nicely it's drawn nicely but it's a whole page spent on you know that fight we were about to have mm. let's fight it's basically a, a whole page given over to it was just the final panel of the final page of last issue mm -hmm. i would say it's probably better paced as a whole by being spread over 14 pages versus one yes. seven page installment but it does leave us without a lot to talk about that's really that's the only crime I mean, yeah. This leaves us without much to talk about. <laughs> okay, page two. Amy does a trick shot. And I think it's great. Yes, I did enjoy that. I, she is still using... Well, yes. Technically the wrong bow. It's a proper bow and arrow yep. bow. And I, I enjoy the way she... I, I wonder, is it an editorial note or is it a scripting thing where she's her arrow has a big round rubber head on it so she doesn't... Oh, so it doesn't all. 
Yeah. Is oh, that yeah. a violence thing? Or is it is it a Hawkeye-style, Green Arrow-style, rubber trickshot ricochet arrow specifically designed for the... Yes, because that is what is happening. She's done this shot, and it gadonks off one trooper, it bedings off another trooper, it bedangs off a pipe in the ceiling, <laughs> and it hits the final trooper in the back of the head, not noiselessly. <laughs> I guess that was the bedang. <laughs> Unless, yes. One of the four things it hits... Is silent. Uh, and I don't know if we mentioned it last time, but, but she's in her... Fl- I just feel like we need to flag it up when it happens. Is she's in her flower <laughs> dress again. She's in yeah. her corona flower What's dress. What's an unusual time we're having with the various things that Amy wears and holds? Like Add it to the spreadsheet. Yeah, I mean, well and truly by now, the full bow, more appearances than the small crossbow. Yes. Presumably, with time, that will even out for us to think that she's supposed to have a little crossbow. <laughs> no, look, look. She's supposed to have a little crossbow because that is what Richard Elson gave her. When, and that was its like our first Back appearance when it of her first having appeared in the arrow Mystic firing cave device. Pirate yes. fighting stuff. Yes, quite right. There we go. Yeah. But then again, what if they just meant she's proficient with a bow and arrow and didn't really maybe? Mind but it would sort. be my suspicion that Kitching, knowing yeah. what she's supposed to have, mm. merely writes in scripts her bow for we know <laughs> that he has done that in dialogue before yeah. in the scripts we have examined right. and the artists not having the because uh, corona definitely feels like one who has a bit less we've talked before about how guys uh, like um casanovas and mike hadley definitely seem to have have uh, a lot of richard elson stuff that they reference a bit more these days oh yeah but uh, corona's artwork doesn't feel too much well i don't know this panel of johnny swinging his staff number panel two on page two I feel like Elson has drawn that panel at some point, if you know what I mean. Oh, really? Which panel again? Johnny just clobbering the two troopers. Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of Elson in the Johnnies in this issue. I mean, look at the on page one, both Johnnies there, incredibly Elson. Well, it's the yeah. it's the eyebrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the perspective on the eyebrow where essentially you're seeing the top side of the far away one and the underside of the nearby one. That's an Elson trick, and Corona is using it here. But we will uh, have to see when the old mini handheld crossbow... I know. I have to assume it's going to come back and then never go away, essentially. Because, yeah, as you say, many more appearances of an ordinary bow and arrow at this point than... Yeah. uh, than Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's the funny thing, though, because Corona has specifically drawn the crossbow before. In her oh, really? first strip, yeah, in the Christmas oh. issue with uh, Amy's first strip, because the whole bit is about how she makes the crossbow bolts herself. Remember that line whenever she's left on her own yes. and fights the buzz bombers? She had a crossbow, then she was loading the bolts into yes, it and you're everything. right. Oh, I wonder what that's all about then. Oh, well. I'm maybe just looking back at the most recent issues, Casanova's drawing the ordinary bow. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, this is pedantic, isn't it? <laughs> it is a bit, isn't it? <laughs> uh, some great drawings of the lizard guy on page three. I thought, yeah. particularly the one where he's getting whizzed around by Sonic and he's going, oh, and he's kind of trying to trying to lean out of the whiz. I love this bit. Like, this is the sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like it's been a while since we brought up the way Kitching would be one of the first to really use Sonic's speed for things other than simply running fast, mm-hmm. you know, for super feats, like creating wind funnels and stuff yeah. like that. And here, like... Because he is super fast, and um, I mean, it's, it, it is a little almost, yeah, you know, flash like or quicksilver like that. Mm-hmm. He is so fast that he can perceive the world in slow motion. He's able to catch a whip out of the air. Yes. And that's cool as balls, dude. <laughs> uh, no, that's interesting. I don't remember reading it that way, you know, as a kid that he had, you know, that he could see things faster. I was just like, 
he's just got faster reflexes in a way that I can't even imagine. Well, it's, I mean, those are just two different ways of expressing the same intent, aren't they? I guess that's just yes. how, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't look at it and think, oh, he sees things moving in slow motion. Yeah. That was just the language I chose in this moment to describe that because I'm a fucking nerd. <laughs> well, and it, yes, I mean, in, in my case, I've now seen that depicted in films, so that's what I think when you say that. But yeah, we are talking about the same thing, really. And this is the moment also where we have the bad breath scene, too. Ah, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. We ought to mention that. Yeah. The the entirety of the reveal is that the lizard guy shouts, do we do we know this guy's name? We don't, no, do he we? doesn't have a name. Hmm. Okay. So I'm going to call him Arcta. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he does have that energy, doesn't he? Yeah. Arcta shouts, you'll be sorry you ever tried to take me on, hedgehog. And that's it. He's just shouting that in Sonic's face and Sonic goes, oh, I already am. You've got the worst case of bad breath ever. He's got his tongue sticking out. <laughs> and that made the cover. Yeah, that was the moment they chose. Uh, fair enough, nothing wrong with that. It's just yeah. Not... I mean, I don't know that there's a moment aside from a sort of generic fight. Otherwise, that you would have put on the cover it, right. because you want to keep the Starpost thing a secret for yeah. Uh, yeah, for the reveal. Right, so otherwise, the other except for just fighting, I guess it is the big thing to zero in on. Mm. <laughs> he catches the whip. He except maybe the uh, the next funny thing that he does where he catches the whip and then. <laughs> spins around him and yes. ties him up in his whip which is cute yeah that's nice now yeah as you say good drawings of this guy of Arctor here on this page and i do like <laughs> that one where he's sitting all tied up the stars dancing around his head as well yeah it's good um next page page four is a striking concept of what it looks like when sonic turns his head i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> It's an interesting blend of being extremely well realized, like view of the behind of Sonic, not not the not his ass, but like the back side. No, what the 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 rear the view? Rear no, view. <laughs> of Sonic, but like, but he has to be looking a different way than his body is turning. So it's like he pivots on a a molecule right at the front of his head, the thinnest neck ever. So all yeah. of his spikes are. Going off in one direction, meticulously, like, observed and realised. Again, perhaps from some kind of physical model source. And then the body spikes poking off in the other way. It's it, mm, it's a strange one. It's so hard to draw Sonic. It's the same uh, difficulty that landed us with upswept hair Amy. Mm. Mm. Basically, it's, it's the same weird spikes all have to pivot on a hinge. Uh, or, or or is it the inverse of that, where the spikes didn't turn at all in the Amy artwork, while the rest of her head did? And so we thought the spikes <laughs> came up over her head when they didn't really. Yeah. But yeah, Porker and Johnny have taken this canister inside a closet and set it up. And uh, they've slowly trooped the Emerald Hill folk inside. And, uh, and, and then Sonic and the last of the guys go in. The lizard gets free of the whip and follows them in. And it's like, you think you can escape me by going in there? That's the broom cupboard! Wait a minute, come to think of it, how can all those prisoners fit in there? And he kicks the door in, and a good panel again. I, I like the, yeah. um, he's, he's got those backwards. You don't uh, see it too often with Sonic, but he's, I mean, this guy is much more ferocious and animalistic uh, than mm. a Sonic lizard character. If you, I mean, if you're, this character is to Sonic what the sharp tooth is to Littlefoot and all the other characters <laughs> from uh, Land Before Time, you know, yeah. much more monstrous and animalistic with the uh, digitigrade backwards knees. Mm -hmm. But he lifts his big backwards knee leg and kicks the door in and there's a star post in there and Sonic's just leaning against the old casual like. <laughs> and this goes back to, you know, my weird theory that uh, Corona might have had some kind of toy of Sonic to be looking at. The, the perfect bridging drawing between 
the Christmas tree rear view Sonic that confuses some people and what that is attempting to actually draw. Well, we've we found out since, haven't we? Somebody sent us on Twitter mm. that um, Elson's rear view mm-hmm. Christmas tree thing, where I always thought that this, the rear spines looked like they were, he drew like perfect circles and yeah. then a sort of curving and then two lines from that would curve in from either side down to a point and to me as a kid it always looked like it was sonic spine drooping Mm. rather than actually being a cone of spines coming to a point which is what i think Mm. it is supposed to be anyway that's from an actual model possibly a japanese from a style kit it's from a genuine style kit that was being passed around at the time which included um sonic in that style the Adventures Robotnik and a Tails who was a bit more skewed towards the Adventures model as well. Yeah, I think maybe that was a European style guide or something that was that was handed around in those regions. Uh, yeah, so that's what he's so. that's what he's drawn off of here. And uh, yeah, he, he he's communicating the idea that the spikes sort of fuse and come to a point more so than Elson ever did. I think. Whereas I always read Elson's as as, dro- as drooping like a palm mm. leaf, but apparently that's not what it's supposed to be. Mm. So I have learned things. <laughs> Now, the star posts are actually a bit different here, aren't they? Right. Are you referring to where Sonic says that a star post transports you to any other star post you choose? Yeah, because they, up till now they've just teleported you into the special zone. That is what I thought, and that's what I've, you know, gone on to think they do. And I, and I think that later in the series they'll go back to doing that. I mean, I think they always do that. I think it's not so very long from now at all that that mm. will be a big plot point that you need to start yes, to get so. to the special zone. But yeah. the idea that they can also do this is... This is new. It is new. I'm perfectly happy with it. I think it's quite cool. It's oddly underused, I think. I guess the way you could look at it is it's an in-universe... An extrapolation representation of how their checkpoints yes could yeah. well be yeah. just because that's the two things that star posts do in the games is yeah. they send you to the special stage and they're where you restart so yeah. the idea that, that they're they're a place you oh you get you're getting me spawn. wanting to play some old sonic and <laughs> <laughs> fire some up after this oh <laughs> uh, yeah because then uh, we we see that uh that yeah the emerald hill folk are popping just literally popping out the top of the star post on the floating island yeah and uh, I'm being overly literal when I think Sonic should have probably used that instead of a mega spring in that poster mag story, shouldn't he? <laughs> yes, I'd forgotten about the mega spring, yeah. Different writers, doesn't count, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's interesting because it's so, it's there, you know, yeah, in the games. Our tendency as UK Sonic players to try and extrapolate story from everything because we, from Stay Sonic, we knew that it was all right to do that. The t- yes. PC monitors are something. Yeah, so with the star posts, I am going like, oh, what are they? These mysterious artifacts around the zone. And I never thought of them as just checkpoints. Never. They were magic in some way. And uh, I yeah, like I think that's, that's not something, them. yeah, anything ever really touched on, is it? What star posts are or where they come from. No. It, uh... Seems like the sort of thing that probably would have happened eventually if they'd kept writing stories. Mm. But you never know. But then Sonic surprises the badniks, the bad guy, and me by being able to ride the box that he kept the star post in like a <laughs> yeah. sort of rocket thing. Well, that's the trick. Yeah, Sonic has to stay behind. He can't go through the star post because somebody has mm. to get the star post back out again. Yes. So uh, the lizard tries to whip him again and he just... <laughs> 
does exactly the same thing. Catches the whip, says, don't you ever learn, creepo. Uh, somebody on Twitter drew my attention to the fact that this comic uses creep and variants yes, thereof same, all yeah. the time. And I genuinely have never noticed it. And now I'm not going to be able to not notice isn't it. Isn't it like twice it in this issue alone? Isn't there another one later on, maybe in Chaotix or something? I'll keep a lookout for it. Creep and variants thereof. Creepo, creepazoid, creepy. <laughs> little uh, little editing gaff here, though. Sure you oh. spotted it. I'm not sure I did. No, well, he catch- Sonic catches the whip, says, Don't you ever learn, creepo, and <laughs> ties him up again. Hmm. And as he ties him up, the lizardman says, What? N- no, you, you wouldn't. And that mm-hmm. doesn't seem so bad. But mm-hmm. then Sonic says, Hey, Stinky, you ever been a spinning top? And then the lizardman says, oh. not again. And what's happened there is that those two speech bubbles have been swapped. They have, when Sonic they? is When Sonic is tying him up, he is supposed to be saying, not again. And yes. have ever, ever been a spinning top, he's supposed to be replying, you wouldn't. Sure I would, says Sonic. Pulls the whip and off he spins into the middle distance. God, I didn't notice that. You are definitely right. Huh. Just uh, two speech bubbles. Glued onto the wrong spots of the celluloid, I guess. <laughs> yes, I guess so. Although to look at them, I'm not sure there'd be room for the other one. Maybe that is. Yeah, maybe I there was. Think that, yeah. I don't know what's happened there. That is interesting. I remember noticing that when I was a kid. All right, mm. put that one together, young. Mm. And then, yes, as you say, Sonic puts the star post back in the box, and turns out it's just got some rockets in the back of it, and he goes, <laughs> just got some, and shoots out the window. And we drop in for a little look with Robotnik, who is informed of the rask the successful rescue of all 35 of these guys but it's only a matter of time i'll find out where the emerald hill folk are hiding and then i'll have my revenge what do we make of timothy marx's coloring in this um i haven't really given it much thought because it's definitely not regular corona coloring you know mm-hmm. the amy is odd you know she her pink comes to a purple at, at all her outer yeah. extremities Yes, he's using sort of some sort of I don't know some sort of well I don't know enough about how these things work but watercolor or wash yeah, or something some, to some blend paint, the yeah. colors together. The paint strokes feel more visible here than they would in your average STC strip. Yeah, particularly in the trick shot panel where yes, the whole yes. back of her head is is almost tie dyed. It's uh, so many different clouds of pink and light pink and purple. It's very interesting. I don't think it's the best match for Corona's artwork. No, possibly. It's difficult for me to decide because as with, and this goes for the colouring and the drawing, a much more successful lizard guy than Sonic himself. Yeah, he, the lizard looks good. Looks like great. the underbelly, the way the yellow of the underbelly gradients into yeah. the green and where the creases are in, like, in, in the underbelly, the way it goes darker green creeps in there. Yeah, he looks really good. But then some of the Sonics, if you look on uh, page three, the Sonic in the final panel having tied him up, it almost, and it isn't because this hasn't happened yet, but it almost looks like one of those Sonics that's, you know, supposed to look like the cover of Sonic 3D or something. It's a slightly mm. strange model. And then colouring-wise, Marx is putting these sort of streaks of light following each spine, which a lot of the time works, but sometimes it feels like, no, now you've started, you have to keep doing it every time, and sometimes they're a bit cumbersome. Sonic is always shiny, yes. but he looks... Almost chromed in this one. <laughs> yeah. And his flesh parts are very orangey. Mm. Yes, I suppose so. And they get oranger as the strip goes on. So you look, <laughs> look at him on the last page versus the, versus, uh, the, you know, yes. the earlier couple of pages. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, nice sunset though there on the last page. Very nice, and I like the subtle tones of the what appears to be multicolored bricks making up the little rise that the star post is on. Yeah, yeah, the floating island panel does look nice. It kind of looks like it's glasswork even, but but not. It's definitely bricks. Well, it's just interesting. I mean, in fact, look at Amy and Tails just walking past some sort of ceramic pipe. Yeah, that's all rainbow colored with all blotches of different colors all over it. It seems to be the marble garden zone. Yes, I suppose it must be. And and I guess that's just, here's a bit of marble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know why they couldn't have dumped them in the Mushroom Hill Zone, where everyone's actually Where they live. Yeah, Yeah, no, instead they've gone to the place where they fire arrows at your head. Yeah, maybe that's just where the star post is. Yeah, just the one. But yeah, so that's what I would say of the colouring. That like, like the honestly, like the rest of the artwork, it's strongest when it's not on Sonic himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Corona's one we've seen steadily get better since his dodgier oh. first efforts. But his line feels yeah. a little. I mean, he he's always had had kind of a loose line, mm-hmm. but it feels a little looser in this. And I want. I, I there's there's something about. I, I really can't put it in words honestly there's just something about the synthesis of the line and the color in this one it's coming together to make something that's a bit less than the sum of its two parts right there was one panel which i thought the coloring hindered my reading of the comic and that is mm-hmm. page two gonna pull page two up yeah the final panel in which tails and porker are carrying the big canister towards the door they're gonna hide it in yeah now this i don't object to because it's just a stylistic thing there is no floor yeah it's not just not colored in it's it's even like outside the panel yeah it it, it, the floor is the gutter yeah yeah. and i just find that stylistically interesting i might do it one day but no what uh what sort of tripped me up is something about the coloring made it read to me as if that door is just floating by itself. What is supposed to be the wall? I thought, because it rises to a gradient, it looked to me like, you know, the floor receding off with some stuff on it, like pipes and bits, oh, which oh, I... Oh, I, I got s- you. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm fairly sure the pipes and bits are supposed to be on the ceiling, but I don't know why yeah, I can see the top no, of yeah. the grate. I'll be honest, no, I mean, I I didn't see it that way, but mm. now that you've said it, yeah. I, I can absolutely see it, yeah. yeah. If you, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting panel, that one. So it's a refreshingly normal Sonic story. It's not an epic tentpole. Yeah, we need these moments, don't we? That's the thing. To calm down a little bit. That's the thing. This is, and I've got this in my notes, this is just a story of Sonic rescuing locals from Robotnik, but it is good to have them from time to time, so that the idea of a normal Sonic story actually stays consistent as to what that is. Because we've had a lot of smaller normal stories from various right, I always call them normal stories because I don't want to say and don't mean filler stories, but some people would describe them as that because they're not. Yeah, yeah. Here's the next epic thing that happened yeah. in the plot. It's just Sonic, but a lot of them when we get them will bring in some kooky new bad guy or problem, which is fine. And Lou's got a handle yeah. on how to do that. Yeah, but sometimes you do just want Sonic versus either Robotnik or the forces of Robotnik without Robotnik himself having to put on a disguise or whatever it is. Yeah, and honestly. As I was thinking about that, I was reading this, that, that was part of what the appeal of Power Rangers was, shoddy though that <laughs> series was, because you knew what normal was. Boy, did you know what normal was in that series, yeah. because every yeah, episode was, was every functionally identical. Episode, yeah. But then, twice ever, or now and then, they would do, you know, a five-part Green Ranger story, or Lord Zed and the Thunderzords intro, or whatever, and those stood out as these incredibly epic, I'll remember this for the rest of my life ones. And it's, yeah. it's kind of the same with STC, except that sure. their normal episodes 
can get muddled when Nigel's away. So here he is That's, giving us. Yes, I was waiting to see if you were going to make that point. Though. Yeah, because <laughs> obviously our first normal one in the wake of S3 and K was Predicto, which mm. didn't fit the continuity mm. quite nicely. But this, even though it is uh, air quote, a normal one, mm. just another dimension, it is still very much operating in the new status quo yeah. of the Emerald Hill folk now living on the floating island and Sonic and friends trying to... And, and now, as I recall, it, next issue, it says here, The Rampage of Mechanic. And this mm. is... A, a, I remember this one, and it's partly because it was the reboot issue and partly because it was the issue that I had with me when I was away on summer holiday no. that year. It's a two-part story. It's a Lou story, but it now plays in the space of the Emerald Hill Zone is deserted. If I remember right, the first uh. couple of the first page of next issue is Grimer and Robotnik come to the deserted Emerald Hill Zone and survey it. Oh, look at this! They used to run hither and thou, afraid of me. Where are they now? You know. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Now that we're playing in that, uh, so it it does make you think that uh, that Predicto must have been done sometime other, and it was just rolled out when it was. Yeah, didn't have the didn't have the new status quo to play with. So yeah, I mean, it's wonderful in that it presents this sense of forward motion, like you talk about filler or whatever. And in that sense, it's it's not, you know, even though I consider filler a four letter word that is used wantonly by people who need their heads <laughs> looked at. Um, this is very much the next chronological logical part of the story using the new setup. I mean, and don't forget. Okay, these seven pages, not so much, but the previous seven pages introduced Citadel Robotnik, relocated Robotnik's base of operations. Stuff was done here. This is the unassuming stepping stone Mm. that takes us from Sonic and Knuckles. It's the first chapter of this new, like, subheading on the STC uh, list of big eras. Graphic Zone! It's the graphic zone. It's the holiday graphic zone. Uh, It doesn't say it's a holiday. Well, if this multicultural selection of drawings doesn't help get you in the holiday mood, nothing will, the little editorial thing says. Because, yeah, in representing holidays, what we have here are Sonic, Tails, and Robotnik, and Knuckles, drawn up in the traditional garb of the peoples of the world. Yes, it's funny that Sonic has gone on holiday to so many countries that have a red flag. Uh... (laughs) Oh, very nice. <laughs> I wish you could see his face. Very well done. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, and and it I mean I mean it starts with the worst one, doesn't it? Yeah. So should we talk about the worst one and get it out of the way? We're gonna have to talk about them. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's do it. Um I, I do you know I have a little anecdote that I can talk about this worst one for. Oh um, boy. Which is that when I was very, very young, very, very little, little toddler. I just got it in my head that something you could do, given the materials a child is supplied with, something you could do. You could draw a picture on the wall in your bedroom. Oh, oh boy, right. Couldn't you? You could draw a picture right on the wall. And uh, I, uh, very, very little. And I didn't draw on the wall because I knew I'd get in trouble for that. So instead I drew a smaller one on the skirting board. And I just, I drew one of the, uh... The standard set of cartoon characters that you saw about in the mid-80s, which would have been the time that it was. And uh, I'm very pleased to say that my parents must at some point have found it and done a perfectly good job of getting rid of it because no such drawing is visible there today. (laughs) And I'm very glad of that because what the drawing was, was racist. Oh. And here it is. 
Poor Simon Bertie Ohm of Bridgewater, Somerset, Mega Drive owner, has drawn... <laughs> what are even the words? A yeah, little know, yeah. racist Chinese Sonic. There you go. I think you did it. I think you managed it. It's it's Sonic with the the conical straw hat. Uh-huh. His eyes in a squint. Uh-huh. Buck teeth coming out. Yep. And fingers all steepled up. And he's yeah. wearing a shawl of some kind as well, it looks like. Uh, yeah, I guess that's... Like, yeah, yeah, I guess that's part of the stereotype. I don't know. And they've captioned it with that old favourite. Oh. Dash, Nick. Nick. Yeah, it yep. is amazing what was normalised, isn't it? I mean, astounding. Yeah. We we were just talking not so very long ago in a summer special. About how even innocent, family-friendly, fun stuff like the Beano and the Dandy could have strips that mm. were just aimed at... This character is a Native American. Yeah. That's the joke! That's that the would, joke! Yeah, that would be... And they would talk in a know, cartoon caveman-style yeah. dialect through the strip, you know. Yeah. And that went on for, like, a lot of the time that we certainly were children. A couple of weeks ago, at time of recording, a video was being passed around on Twitter of Michael Barrymore... Doing performing Ooh, a song on stage. Ooh, I couldn't. I couldn't get with, with a group of children this year, nineteen ninety five, I think it was, or ninety four, or somewhere around there. And he does this face and says this phrase as part of the song, and he gets all the children. They're they're doing the the face as well. It's incredible that the I I honestly I had no idea that that was still mainstream entertainment. Even then. Even then, it's, yeah. that's on his best of VHS release. That's why we've got that clip. <laughs> <laughs> like, here it is. This is a thing that was constantly visible. Apparently, yeah. I mean, you knew enough as the age that you were to doodle that as yep something. You know, you know what they say about racism being learned, not in- yep. inherent. You know. <laughs> this is it. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know where I would have seen it. I don't know where I got it from. I, you know, at no point did my parents sit me down to watch racist propaganda cartoons. You know, it's the sort of thing that could have been in a Tintin or something, yeah, you and, know? and anything. And I, would have, and I would have been too young for that, so it must have been in the preschool educational stuff. Must have been mm-hmm. for me to have seen it. Sure. Goodness knows where I got that from. Coincidentally, I actually found out the answer to this. The, I, I found, I actually sourced where I saw that while I was doing my final editing pass of the previous episode to this one of STCTP, which I edited, you know, after we'd recorded this episode. It was in pub. It was in pub. Beloved educational show, pub, the success of which allowed them to go on to make award-winning things, Teletubbies and all of that. Pub taught me to draw that racist stereotype. I found the clip on YouTube when I was trying to find the music for the, when we were talking about Pop, he spits on the screen and that is what he draws in it and then he puts his face behind it and he makes racism noises. So that's terrible, but it's fascinating to figure out exactly where my toddler self saw that. So goodness knows where Simon got it from, but here's where he's put it. I mean, fortunately, there's not a single thing as bad as that elsewhere you know the next yeah. the one next to it from jay harrington of bishop auckland in county durham this is this is fine yeah this is sonic in the outback i mean it's essentially mm. all the same cultural stereotypes it's sonic <laughs> in a in a desert 
with a hat with corks dangling right, yeah. off the brim and a big unshaven stubble yeah, on the face. Stubble. <laughs> and I think he's holding a boomerang in his hand and there's also a boomerang. Oh, swinging. he is holding a boomerang. I thought it was a big cigar. I thought it was a cigar at first too, but it's got that little, uh, it's the, it, it looks like the other boomerang that's flying past in, in the background. Exactly. If the white bit was on the other end, it would be a cigar, but mm. it's hidden. You can only see the middle. Yeah, there's a boomerang just flying. That's going to hit him really? in the head, I think. That's how you know it. it's Australia. Yeah. Below that, Peter Passarelli from Arnold in Nottingham has drawn a sort of gladiator Sonic. Yes. It's Sonic's head, a rather well-drawn Sonic mm-hmm. head, I thought. Nice tight line on it, good geometric shapes, mm-hmm. on top of just a, a, a normal human body. <laughs> yeah. to, and he's wearing a gladiator outfit, a, a sculpted, moulded uh, breast piece and uh, the leather strap skirt. And he's got a sword and everything. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess that makes him... Roman, but I mm. feel like I feel like editorial has has jumped upon the Passarelli surname to uh. caption this the Italian hedgehog, mm. which is not untrue if he is a Roman gladiator. Yes, but that is yes. I feel like they're working with the name there. Yeah, we've given the given the previous history, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. uh, Daniel Baldwin of Southport, Merseyside. He's done Fly Like an Egyptian, which is tales as an ancient Egypt. I mean, it's tales. Wearing an uh, like an ancient Egyptian like headdress, yes, and the, that's all. <laughs> uh, well, and the and the sort of beard thing. Oh, I was, uh, I was covering that part of it, and yeah, yeah. and eye color to match the headdress. He's got blue eyes, so I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't that that's not a you know because at the time there was a big you know Tutankhamun's head was everywhere. That's and, true. Um, yes. That you had to pay fealty to Tutankhamun's head, which was simply <laughs> everywhere. You'd look up in the sky, and there was Tutankhamun. But that doesn't have blue eyes, so I don't know what. Uh, uh, yeah, Daniel's blue gloves too. So there. I don't really oh, know what's yeah. going on. And, there. Oh yeah, and blue sort of whatever you want to call the sock cuff bits, cuffs yeah, on the yeah. on the sneakers. Yeah, and uh, Daniel Baldwin, un- unless they've goofed, Daniel Baldwin <laughs> had a real fascination going on with yeah. ancient Egypt at the time because on the opposite page he has another picture, it's credited to him, of of Robotnik as a sort of Egyptian monument rather yeah. than like Ro- Robotnik himself dressed up. It's like a maybe even uh, a temple. Yeah, a temple of some kind. Um, oh well, well, well. Are, that depends. are those steps? Yeah. Is it or, a pyramid? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's something that's triangular and yellow with lot stripy lines on it. Are they? They which appears to lead up to a door. Yeah, is that a set that, of golden yeah. steps leading to a door, or is that a pyramid and that's just his belly button or something? But the point is, it's Robotnik's yes. head on it anyway. Whatever it is, it takes the form of a torso with arms reaching out, hands planted on top of pillars as if sitting on a chair essentially, yes. and the steps up the chair in place of legs to a doorway in the belly button and attached to it by golden sticks or maybe banisters i wonder if this is based on a drawing that this kid's looked at i don't know could be it's so elaborate but it's kind of cool it does kind of make you like basically if they made an ancient egypt sonic level it would not be anywhere outside the realm of possibility that this would be in the background of but it. there would be a big robotnik shaped monument in the background mm. exactly and of course he's got the golden blue striped headdress on as well of course I quite like James Day from Ilfracum Devon's Knuckles La Francais, yes. which is a rather good drawing of Knuckles with yep. a nice bold marker outline uh-huh. with a beret and a stripy shirt and a string of onions around of his course, neck. Of course, of course. Do you know, I, I mean, I don't know if it's racist or not, honestly. It's exactly <laughs> as stereotyped as uh, yeah. everything else on yeah. here, so I don't know. But I remember when I was dressed in this <laughs> specific garb for a school play. Oh, <laughs> 
yes, I played an onion cellar. Had a, had a big black mustache painted across my top lip. Naturally. In big black school paint from one of those squeezy bottles. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the play? Why did they need a French onion cellar? I have absolutely no memory. I can tell you the exact reason that I remember why I was dressed as an onion cellar. I, mean, it's I feel like you would remember it. With the play. Oh. The reason is I remember I came home after the play <laughs> and I, I went to get a drink out of the tap. Simply I was, th- you know, I was uh, parched from my performance, whatever Definitely. it was. Of course. And I went up and I leant over the tap and I got, cut, 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 you know, slaked my mm-hmm. thirst as was my want at the time. <laughs> Um, and then uh, wiped my mouth off. Uh, and when I came out of the kitchen, Mummy turned to me and said, where's your mustache gone? <laughs> and I remember that for some oh, reason. You hadn't smeared it. It had come completely off. Just with Yes, the- that's the thing. Very I mean, it's good entirely school possi- face paint. No, well, no. Ah. It's entirely possible I had wiped my mouth with a towel. Uh-huh. And if I, if I had put paint all over the towel... <laughs> I never heard about it. Oh, right. <laughs> so so I think I came away the winner that <laughs> A clean shave and no trouble. Um, I, I like as well that Frenchman Knuckles here, he's wearing a beret on which he's written Knuckles with three exclamation three. marks all the way across the beret from end to end. Knuckles! I'll make sure to do that whenever I wear a beret. I'll write Dave on it. And he's even uh, monogrammed his shoes as well. They've got oh, little has. K's on them. Do you see that? Well, I do see that. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why Jason has decided to do that. I mean, he always wears that shoes, and his name is always Knuckles, and he's never put a K on it. Is he holding something in his right hand? Oh, there's. It's. It could be an egg. <laughs> yes, he's got some kind of uncolored. I feel like it's the. You know, an attempt to... Look, if you're drawing this, you're attempting to draw a baguette, aren't you, in his hand? But That's it, of course. But it's but not... it's just a little... It looks like an egg. It hasn't it, been coloured in, and it's very small, so maybe not. What are, what other French stereotypes are there that it could be? Garlic? Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. It might just be a badly drawn fist, let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> yes, although I don't know what bit of the fist he reckon. Oh, oh, oh. If I bet- that's the thumb, then the thing we think is the thumb could be the is cuff. Is the cuff, yeah. That's, that's precisely what it is. You've unpicked the mystery of France. <laughs> <laughs> Have I ever told the story on this podcast about when I went to France on a school trip? Just when we're talking about school and other cultures. Not that I know of. Go on. There's not much to tell, to be honest. We went on a boat, and the boat was more fun than being on the trip itself because we had freedom on the boat. That you have mentioned. But no, the big takeaway from that school trip was when the bus driver took a wrong turn and we went through the red light district. <laughs> don't be! Don't be looking in them windows! <laughs> Boomers! We looked in them windows. <laughs> A pretty bad slip-up on the very last one here from Daniel Pastor from Macclesfield, Cheshire, who has drawn... Well, it certainly seems like it's supposed to be a Ninja or Shinobi Sonic. definitely some sort... And it's so decorated and detailed that I wonder if this is from... Is this from a Shinobi game, for instance? It it has that sort of energy to it. There are so many yin and yang symbols all All over over the guy. He's got... It's on his shins, it's on his shoulders, it's on his sneakers. Yeah. It's on what appear to be the handles of two swords poking out his back that are a little hidden Mm -hmm. by the crop. Uh, He's got ninja stars on his forearms. I can't tell what's going on with this yellow splash. Yeah, okay, this is the thing. This is what made me think it was from a game, because I think he's doing a fire punch. Yes, that was my guess, that it's some kind of energy blast fireball type thing. And then I spotted 
the row of white dots on his headband, which we've commented on Shinobi having in mm. the Shinobi strips. But this isn't a, an outfit we've seen from that. It's got these elaborate, like, almost like suspenders straps all the way down in front of him. I don't know if it's necessarily Shinobi, but I reckon it's a game that I'm just not familiar enough with. And it's one in which you can do a fire punch. Is it, is it Mortal Kombat? It doesn't look like anything from Mortal Kombat I recognize. No, me neither. But then I wouldn't be that into him. But the gaff, though. Mm. Editorial have captioned this crazy horse. Mm. I think That's they've mistaken no. the yellow flash for a bow and arrow. Do you think? I think so. The, the way it comes That's out possible. from his hand and then forks off in two sides. I think they've mistaken it for a badly drawn bow and arrow. That is very possible. And they think that he's supposed to be a Native American. And they've subtitled it Crazy Horse instead of Crazy Hedgehog or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking that they've not looked at it for very long and gone like, oh, I'm a middle-aged person in the 90s. All my references are westerns from the old days. <laughs> I mean, it's not pretty. Just as a, as a spread of two pages, generally speaking, it's not pretty, but it is mm. a fascinating and horrifying look back at, at what was normalized Yes, uh, back then and to a certain extent it's not abnormal now in some cases. Refuse Okay, once again, it falls to me to regulate. These guys are about to talk about the adventures of Batman and Robin for the Genesis. I've played it. They haven't. The game is bad. It is impossibly hard. And it has the best soundtrack on the entire Genesis by legendary composer Jesper Kidd. Take it away, Jesper. It's a funny game, this one. The Adventures of Batman and Robin for the Mega Drive. This mm. one's reviewed by Jenny Fromer, who... Fred spends most of the um, reviewed naming Batman characters. Um, Jenny has always displayed this ability. She does her research when she does a review. That's true. Now, this was a funny game in that it was released for a couple of different systems, but each one was, like, completely different to the other system. Oh, one of those. It's the Mega CD uh, game. That's the most famous one. And we'll get back to the Sega CD version in a moment. But one of the main differences between the versions as well was that the SNES version didn't have the same soundtrack at all. Now, Kid's two previous outings on the Genesis, uh, Subterranea and Red Zone, both had very dark, gritty soundtracks, and they told him to make this one a bit more upbeat, and he did that. One of the main things that Kid did was to push the hardware of the Genesis to its absolute limit. He would take instruments that were meant to be used for, you know, high or low frequencies, and reverse them to get a very interesting sound that you don't hear anywhere else on the entire catalog of games for the system. We were listening to the Stage 1 theme. Now here's the Mad Hatter boss fight. Beautiful, fully animated FMV sequences by, I think it must have been TM Aston, and they're so gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Fully voice acted and everything by the cast of the cartoon, but the Mega CD game's a bloody driving game. Oh, oh, that's not what I'm interested in. No, I know, it was gold, Dave. To discover that the Mega CD game, which I have only ever heard spoken of in the context of how there's basically a lost episode of the cartoon told through the, the FMV sequences, was a bloody Batmobile driving game. 
<laughs> Whereas this is a, is a platform. Yes, and it's it's what you expect of a Batman game because there'd been so many of them up till now. It's a walk-along and punchy sort of a game. We should say, of course, didn't spell it out, but uh, it's based on Batman the Animated Series, which was yeah. hot at the time. Yes. The Adventures of Batman and Robin being the title that it was given for its second season. Yes, nomenclature, wonderful. Listen to this break. This was what my question was going to be, because it looks like it's branded off an animated series I wasn't aware followed up the Batman the Animated Series, called The Adventures of Batman. The title screen has what definitely looks like the title card of an episode with the, you know, the Sonic 3 font, uh, (laughs) which is accurate, and it's but saying Batman and Robin, so it's like, yeah... Okay, I've missed a whole TV series here, but apparently I've just missed a, a final season or something, did I? Well, no, the final season was, of course, The New Batman Adventures, which was a different series with slightly tweaked designs that was released uh, about five years after the original two seasons of Batman the Animated Series, but is, for all intents and purposes, the same show. The main way to tell if you're watching a New Batman Adventures episode is if the Joker has red lipstick, it's the original show, and if he doesn't have red lipstick, it's the new show. The game also included some shmup sections, side-scrolling, but with a top-down view that actually involves some Mode 7 technology, which very, very effectively communicates the idea of Batman flying over top of the skyscrapers of Gotham City. This music is from that level. Anyway, I've never played it. No, I've never played it, but looking at this, uh, it would be fine. (laughs) <laughs> to play. Well, Jenny's reviewed it quite well. Yeah. 82% of Fast and Furious challenge that she says lacks originality. The gameplay is your basic left to right beat em up, improved by having Batman in the leading role. Sure, you know, sure, those absolutely. things. Yeah. But I, I gather that's not generally the popular perception of the game, unfortunately. Uh, right. that it's That it's, it's not actually considered to be that great. No, it doesn't look that great. Presentation-wise, it's fine. The, the animation, you know, you're running animation and everything looks good. Seems okay. Seems okay, doesn't it? Batman the Animated Series was good, though, wasn't it? I know we've talked about it on the show before, but it's just nice to see it get the from adverts that they did for mm, the, yeah. the companion comic that was running at the time. But I don't know when we actually first got it. Um, obviously, we wouldn't have got it at the same time as America did. No. I remember when it debuted on... Uh, oh, yeah. On... Uh, What's Up, Doc? What's Up, Doc? Yeah. yeah. Whether it debuted on What's Up, Doc? I'm, I'm fairly sure it did, but I couldn't swear. I, I feel like it did, we got the slightly wonky over where the first episode was man that wasn't Kid Chameleon. Back to Unreality Part 3, written by Michael Cook, art by Brian Williamson, colours by Steve White, and letters by Tom Frame. As Juggernaut, Casey easily bulldozes through the enemies of the Midnight Graveyard and proceeds to the next level, where he promptly tumbles off the edge of a cliff and into the ocean. Reverting to his human form, Casey soon washes up on a beach where he's accosted by a platoon of robotic troopers transporting prisoners, overseen by the very person he's come back to Wildside to find, Brad. Yeah, I had not remembered that little twist, and so I, was I did quite not. I. I was pleasantly surprised, to be honest, because much as we were discussing at the end of last issue, how Juggernaut is the freaking <laughs> coolest thing. Like the, this is, is this has got to be the coolest what four pages or like of STC that isn't Sonic ever. <laughs> it, it's it's a 
robot skeleton with guns <laughs> for arms and a tank for legs. Yeah, and we now find a massive long kind of spiny looking neck, like almost like a yeah. horse's neck. With like big uh, blades poking up off it, like yeah. the, the the vertebrae. Yeah, you blasting got... his way through skeletons and bats. Imagine your like whoever the coolest kid at your school was. Whatever they drew in their notebook, imagine that <laughs> times a hundred. It's amazing. And he's like, prepare to face your destiny, and he extends all his all his yeah, sibilance signs he does. with double letters. Devil spawn. And I'm enjoying this. Oh. Don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. But I get three pages in. Uh-huh. And I'm starting to get a little concerned. Oh, yeah. Because it is just three pages of Casey and his latest superhero guys mindlessly thwomping generic enemy sprites. Which is exactly the <laughs> I same. I don't find this concerning. No, not, not generic enemy sprites. Skeletons. Okay, they are skeletons. That's good. He is okay. blasting skeletons with massive cannon lasers. And they're falling apart and they're in silhouette. It's amazing. Look, no, artistically... What's the concern? Am, my concern is that the story is just exactly the same thing as the first strip. Where each yeah. chapter is just, here's a new hero that he turns into. And he smashes his way through personality-free, dimensionless enemies. And then hits the telepad and warps onto the next level. And the same thing happens there again. So, I'm, yeah. That's I'm, right. I'm building up a concern about it. I guess this is video game the comic as we've said before and yes and that worked once mm. is the fact that yeah but then <laughs> we get this twist at the end yeah. and I'm like I didn't remember that no and now there's a plot yeah so to reiterate if you weren't paying attention to the synopsis He's... Which is what the synopsis is for, so please pay attention to it. <laughs> he ends up, he, he falls off a cliff as Juggernaut, and he goes in the water and loses the power. Yes, the, the helmet is essentially washed off his head yeah. or knocked off his head. Yeah, which is the, whenever... the, the only acknowledgement the comic has made so far that the helmets are what are supposed to give you your power. He just says to me well, in this version. It's funny, no, he always touches or lifts his visor or That's his true. specs when he does it, but it's never been explained in dialogue. Yeah, yeah. He grabs a branch to, to wash up ashore, and... What he washes up ashore at is a load of, like, what honestly look like SBS troopers. Uh, uh, no, no, Dave, I'm sorry. You don't have the frame of reference. These are tiny sentinels from X-Men. Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. I knew I recognized them from somewhere. And the thing is, the SBS troopers are also sort of tiny sentinels from X-Men, but these look mm, even more like These them. are just yeah. tiny sentinels from X-Men. And they are serving <laughs> as stormtroopers, like, herding people into a massive wagon that is driven by what appears to be a mammoth or something. Yeah. And their boss, who is just a straight-up Nazi, he's got the big yep. trench coat, he's got the Nazi hat, the only, you know, as in all cartoons of this ilk, the, the difference yep. is that instead of a swastika, he's got a current, like, whatever the logo for this is. And in this case, it's a... little squiggle, yeah. And in this case, it's a stylized WS for Wildside. Oh, I didn't even get that that's what it was. Mm. Well noticed. I think so. Yeah, no, you're completely right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, you can see it's on the, the Sentinel's belt buckles, too. Yeah. And it, it is a red armband yeah. with a white circle and a couple of black, straight, angular lines. It's This is exactly what it is. Yeah. And he's got, so, a, yeah. and also he's got a coiled whip in his hand, which I don't yes. I don't automatically think of Nazis as having, but it certainly adds to the effect. No, it seems like, well, I think we're working from the idea we've got kind of like a slave train going on yeah. here, like these guys, these people are chained in a big line, they're being, move you dogs type yeah. thing, you know. Um, but no, you, you would imagine more of a riding crop there, yeah, yeah. there for this particular aesthetic. Yeah. Look at, these, look at the jodhpers. Jodhpers, yeah. And one of the sentinels goes, sir, look, and he goes, oh, chain him with the others, and he turns around. And the caption says, I don't believe it. I come all this way to save a guy and 
Brad. Brad has just become a Nazi. That was what he... Brad has joined the alt-right. Yeah, yeah. Ten minutes after playing a video game. Well, if that ain't a prediction of the future, I don't know what was. Yeah, the, the big <laughs> nose, haired tough man teenager. <laughs> Once he find himself in a digital realm, <laughs> has gone and become a Nazi. And listen... If that ain't a prediction. <laughs> what a cool twist. Like, that, I, I honestly never mm. saw that coming. That no has, memory of it whatsoever. That's that's two in a row. I've this I I really like this series of Kid Chameleon. I think the previous <laughs> one I was lukewarm on, and in earlier episodes of this series I was like, eh, I'm not interested. But that's two in a row where it's been a, a a twist that has made me eager to read the next one, and uh, bolstered by the fact that the majority of this one is this absolute epitome of the heavy metal album cover this rolling around skeleton tank destroying skeletons love it love it i like this bit here where he is smashing through it and he says in his first person narrative captions he said though i'd never admit it as bonehead i think the creeps at the gate mm. could take me mm. i like that the way that he knows inside that he is who he is but but yeah the personalities of these individuals overwrite his or, or shells around yeah. him and that's because he's looking at the gates to the cemetery that he needs to get out of because through them he can see the next teleport pad. But he's like, oh, but they're guarded by loads of big demony things and loads of skeletons. You know, oh, they're going to be able to take me. But And then he says, but I'm Juggernaut. Who needs gates? And he just blasts a big hole out of the wall himself and goes through there instead. Brilliant. With his big nose cannon yes. just literally comes out from the bottom of his torso. What a brilliant episode of this comic that was <laughs> i'm really happy with it we do have the mysterious voice where we call back to oh. the fact you found that message from the subway wall beware the dangers of alcatraz mm. which i mean you think alcatraz prison island prisoners being shipped out at the end here you feel like we see maybe how the two points are coming together now mm. we'll see again because obviously they don't remember very well yeah and it's while he's distracted shouting out at the voice to explain what's going on that he drives off the edge of the cliff mm. but yeah as i said I, well i mean absolutely no denying the unmitigated coolness of the robot skeleton tank but i was a little concerned that we were just in a, in a solid pattern that was just going to repeat the pattern of the first strip over yeah. again unfortunately the end of this one has pulled that back up out of it so i feel like there are two more guys he turns into in this one the last two remaining characters from the game but I actually don't remember, story-wise, what happens. So, mm. yeah, look forward to finding out what happens. It turns out, turns out my memories of the first one I remembered quite well mm. because it was entirely, who is he going to be, this chapter? And that's that's just what it was. It was video game the comic, as you called it, as we called it two years ago when we read it. But this one needs more than that to be a sequel worth with a new story worth telling. And, and took a little bit, but they found it now. And it turns out, though, that all I remember from childhood is, who's he going to be in this one? Yeah. So well, yeah, exactly. Well, this is my question: Is he going to defeat this this Nazi by turning into whichever character we haven't had yet, or is that not? Are they are they finished with that now, and it's going to be him and Brad face to face? I don't know. I've done, yeah, I I don't know. I just know he's going to turn into two more people, mm. and that there's a shark at some point. I remember there's a shark. I don't know why I remember there's a shark, but there's a shark. So we'll see. Next issue, Destination Alcatraz. Pinup. 
we have a two-page pin-up, I guess. And now, did you tell me that actually we're basically just going to get these forever at some point? Eventually, yeah. Mm. Not not necessarily right now, but but eventually pin-ups become pretty standard in the middle. Well, we've had a run of them, and uh, today's is in that proud tradition of simply taking a piece of art we've already got on file, and why not, slapping it across two pages. But I appreciate it, because this is uh, an old favourite of mine. It's that establishing shot of Knuckles. That first picture of Knuckles that we all saw, the promotional art from which we all understood and learned that Knuckles was pink. Pink? Pink. Any, uh, have they put the words pin-up on it anywhere? Uh, no, but Sonic the Comic and Knuckles the Echidna uh, are visible, which is, on this occasion, I will allow uh, the intrusion yeah, of okay the, uh, the logo. Yeah, it's okay to put the on. Well, I don't mind the name, but I'll even in- uh, allow the intrusion of the Sonic the Comic logo, because this is just a character drawing. Uh, it, it, yeah. It's not pretending to be a poster, it's literally just... White background, dude. Yeah, yeah. Has it scaled up all right? It's not yeah. fuzzy, is it? No, I mean, only in the sense that... It was always fuzzy. Yeah, like, uh, I think I complained previously that a back page blow-up of the Sonic and Knuckles logo was um, yeah, quite fuzzy looking. I wouldn't say the same about this, so we're looking at a higher resolution source. No, it looks absolutely fine. No complaints at all. I would, you know, I'm tempted to put this up. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like one you would have had on your wall. Yeah, well, but obviously you didn't because you're not insane. No, it's got a comic on one side, for goodness sake. Knuckles. Total Chaotix Part 4. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, letters by Elita Fell. Knuckles and the Chaotix crew try to evade a Metallics by hiding in the Egg Fortress's ventilation ducts. But when Knack the Weasel knocks a grill off the wall, they are quickly found. Knack does a runner, while the rest of the crew are quickly dispatched by the Metallics, leaving Knuckles to take the Metal Sonic on one-on-one. Ooh, I love a bit of Chaotix. It's... I absolutely love this. Having a second... Like, I know we haven't had a first Kitching Elson on this, yeah, but, like, but we've had a Kitching, and here, just to have in the middle of the comic, a Kitching Elson joint that's like, it just bolsters the idea that the whole comic matters in some way, yeah. you know? And it gives you something. I, I, this is probably the first time that, to me, the thing in the middle has been the most exciting thing in the comic, unless I'm forgetting <laughs> some other era. I think this is it. I think this is when it was the bit I was looking forward to the most. And there's something fun about that, I guess. Well, you talk about how we feel like we're in just having normal Sonics, mm. and then but the big things are still happening mm. over somewhere else in the comic. You know, it it is the uh, the side effect, the bonus, the advantage of the comic growing to have more than one world of a Sonic story in it. Mm. This strip does contain the moment I was referring to earlier, mm-hmm. where uh, they are not subtle about the setup. Yes. <laughs> At the end of the story, after the... Because meta- this is largely just a, a hiding and fight scene. Uh, as the Metallics collapses a ceiling on the Chaotix crew, it says, four subjects disabled records indicate five authorized targets. And Knuckles pops out as if to just, like, Plant a little flag in the Metallics' yeah. statement. Says, how about that? The creep can't even creep. Creep, there it is. There we go. The there creep can't even count. There were six of us. Yeah. Indicating pretty strongly 
though Dave, you had mentioned before that you obviously not not having played Chaotix and therefore not being aware that Knack was in any way the odd one out yep. here, but that does flag up that Knack's apparently accidental knocking of a grill off a wall and then immediately running off mm-hmm. is not what it appears to be and is in fact he is a badden on the inside yeah. helping the Metallics out and therefore is not an authorised target. Yep. If Knuckles simply hadn't flagged that up it would have been like a full star rating better but the fact that it got to be so obvious about it. I don't know man I quite like it and I think the reason I do, I do like it is that I didn't guess. <laughs> and that was, of course, because, yes, I hadn't played Chaotix. Who had? Who'd played Chaotix? So I didn't know. Dave, I have some very exciting news oh. for you. Have you played Chaotix? Since last <gasps> we spoke, oh! I have played and beat Chaotix. What? You played it all the way through? I played it all the way through. Oh, my goodness. What do you think? Refuse. Refuse. That's a load of rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) Is it really that bad? You know, it's not that bad, but it is, it's like a tech demo stretched out Mm. to full game length. It's just annoying. It's like the the whole tethered ring Mm -hmm. system is just, it's like, how to f*** up jumping in a Sonic game. <laughs> oh my god, it's I never like thought of it in you're those terms. catapulted and boinging and sproinging all over the place. Right. No, it's an interesting play. It's like, there was stuff in there that I had uh, no idea of. It's fun, like, we've had a review of it, we've had mm-hmm. a feature in the Summer mm-hmm. Special talking briefly about it, and there's stuff that you just don't hear talked about. Like, the setup of the game, right, yeah. is that, we'll just stop talking about the comic here for now and talk about Kevin. Yeah, go on, yeah. I'll finish my sentence afterwards, go on. Yeah. <laughs> The whole game is set in what's called the Neutrogic High Zone. Oh, wow. Neutrogic. Yeah. I think the idea is supposed to be that it's the base Robotnik has built on... Well, the the Japanese and the uh, English language stories are very incompatible for Chaotix, but in the Japanese version, an island has risen from the ocean. Okay. And uh, and Robotnik has come down there to investigate. Of course, it's got ancient, powerful crystal relics on it, because what doesn't in yeah. the Sonic game? And he's built this base of operations, the new Tragic High Zone. And in the uh, English-language version of the story, it's Carnival Island of no fixed origin, uh, and our heroes have come here for that. Because the game is very carnivally themed. Mm-hmm. We've got, uh, like, to select your partner character, it's done through a claw machine game where you have to you know, reach down and pick them up. You were expressing some puzzlement in the past issue over exactly who Heavy and Bomb yes. were. And the answer is that they are like the booby prize characters. They are the bad characters that move slow and hurt you. Oh. The things move around in the claw game. You can snatch one of them and your gameplay will be hindered as a result. Oh, well, that is interesting. There are five zones and each zone has five acts. So there are 25 levels total. But they're randomized. Oh, Yep, whenever you go, once you've picked your player, you move to the level select screen and it spins around and you have to hit a button to get it to stop. So you can play through the game in in any order. And then there's a time passage mechanism where you get, it goes from dawn to day to dusk to night to dawn cycling through, Mm -hmm. which changes like the color palette of the levels and certain areas of each level will only be accessible depending on the time of day that you visit it in. Not in such a way that you can't finish the level or anything, but yeah. Um, And because the order of the levels you play through is randomized, determined by you hitting a button to to try and stop it on the level you want, that 
it's but the time of day progresses regardless right is essentially a sort of no two playthroughs will be exactly the same type of thing oh i had no idea about any of that yeah i know you don't hear it talked about do you no and it's that's all very interesting but then the actual experience of playing it is incredibly samey because it all has to bend to the uh the core premise of the the tether gimmick mm. where you can stretch out to get a get 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 speed up or you can bounce up to higher platforms or whatever yeah and um and then yeah metal sonic is the is the last boss when you get the power of the oh and it's got some of the jankiest special stages i've ever played had to abuse the save state to get all the chaos rings for that one i'll not lie oh what a shame because they look so good in the screenshot yes they're yes but they're the draw distance is minimal and uh and it's very uh clippy and stuttery but I did beat him with uh, abuse of the uh, thing, and all that changes is that Sonic and Tails appear in the background of the illustration that sits behind the scrolling credits. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's my experience of playing Chaotix. I did it! Yeah! That was the official uh, SDCTP review zone for Chaotix. <laughs> oh, I didn't say... Uh, I mean, you might not even know this because you don't hear it mentioned so often, but yeah, every character has their own powers. Like, Knuckles can fly and climb, as always. Yes. Glide and climb. Yeah. Vector can also climb, but he's is like a sort of hand over hand climb. The uh, right. very nicely animated sprites, I have to oh. say, very full of character. They I look, would they hope so. Well. That's the one thing yeah. the game has going for it is its visuals. But I wouldn't go that far. Really, today, if, you view, if you view them in screenshots, but it's like Suze was saying when she was on a couple of episodes ago. It is a very saturated mm. palette to the point that I find that um, Baddie Badnik's enemy sprites really had a tendency to get lost in the backgrounds and i was getting pranged off them constantly because i couldn't see them oh no it sounds like a disaster yeah. then but yeah so vector can climb walls and do a mid-air dash mm. mighty can wall jump and i think that was all he could do mm. uh, sbo can climb walls and because he's a chameleon he can uh, run up walls and ceilings too mm. So once you get him started, he can go in any direction. And um, Charmy can fly. Yes. I started using Charmy and I hit the jump button and he just shot forward. And I was like, and I pressed it again. Am I doing something wrong? What's going mm. on? Can he not jump? And then I realized that you push the direction button and that button and he'll shoot off in whatever direction you're pushing. Oh, I And there's, see. No, there's no meter, there's no cooldown or anything. So you can infinitely just go... It's it's game-breaking, frankly. I was going to say, and you can dangle the other character under it. When I got fed up, I was like, right, charming. Yeah. <laughs> Just wheeled him out to sail through it. Oh, right. But, uh, yeah, very nice character sprites. That was my big takeaway from it. And uh, I mean, I'm not sad I played it, yeah. but I don't know that I'll ever play it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. So, anyway, back to the strip. So, back to the strip, and I was just saying that I, that I didn't foresee that Knack was going to be a turncoat that he was betraying them and so what i had was i actually see this as like really cool like i thought this was an amazing issue when i went back <laughs> here you've got this bit where yeah oh knack he's so clumsy he accidentally kicks that great off and like just as the metallics is about to shoot them he's like oh i'm out of here and he runs away and he, he gets away somehow and then four subjects disabled records indicate five authorized targets and knuckles going no you can't count and i I guess I just breezed past it and went, yeah, ah, the robot's wrong. And then... I have no memory at all of what I thought of it as a kid. I don't know if I sussed it out. I, I knew Knack was odd, the odd man out even as mm. a kid. I knew he wasn't in the Chaotix game. But I don't know if I 
picked up on these ever so subtle <laughs> yeah, clues yeah, that the exactly. the, was dropping. The question mark is, did I pick up on the five authorized targets? It's the word authorized. The authorized mm-hmm. targets. I think that's really cool. I mean, you know, my objection is not if you could even go so far as to call it an objection, <laughs> is not that the metallic says that, it's that Knuckles flags it up for the right, audience. Right, right. Whereas Kitching didn't feel the need to flag up the mysterious container last issue uh, yeah. to then reveal it contained a star post this issue. Another thing I, I didn't notice before is the uh, the final panel of the penultimate page where Metallics is doing a bit what is he doing what is he slashing them or is he punching them he away? grabs espio around the neck oh and, and he chucks them at the espio rest, into the group and they yeah. all scatter so my question is as they all scatter whose shoe is that um i guess it must be mighty's because yes. he's the only one where only one foot is visible yes <laughs> everyone else has got two shoes on two and shoes the only clue that we have that mighty hasn't is that you one of his feet is obscured and at no point in the rest no, of the strip no it's obscured the rest of the comic as well <laughs> well is that a really subtle is that Nigel blindsiding us with the non-subtle hint and next issue something vitally important about Mighty not having a shoe on is going to come up <laughs> I'd say that's just an Elson choice to illustrate the uh, to illustrate the characters being scattered but I appreciate the willingness to keep the other foot hidden yes. because well, we've discussed it in the past. We nobody, do not nobody want to wants see a foot. to know what an unshoed Sonic character foot looks like. No, and if you do, that's fine. But keep it yourself. We don't want to be involved. Yeah, don't be writing in letters about it. Oh, no. <laughs> don't send us any fan art. <laughs> God, oh no! I've just had a, I've just had the mental image of of like a foot themed graphic zone. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't think such a thing ever existed. But. Oh, I bet it would have been so easy to make one. Yeah. If they'd wanted to go in that route, I bet there would have been enough pieces of art they got sent in that they could have assembled something. Yeah, and then and they and all the caption would be like, put your best foot forward, Sonic. And yeah. And uh what else? Um, Life and soul of the party. Of the party, that's a good that's one. one, yeah, yeah. Or or soul man, yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, because that's or, if he's got or, sunglasses uh, on as well. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Or so, something about toes and heels. I yeah. can't think of anything right now. I'm normally good at these, but I'm too <laughs> horrified by Sonic the, the, man, toes, the, the concept. Line. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're trying. Yeah, we're just sitting here trying to think. Yeah. Free to submit any. Come up with. No, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> this trip might go some way to solving one of my previous puzzles as to what is Espio the Chameleon's personality. Ah. Where he uh, he has a go at Mighty for uh, last issue, Mighty just punched a hole in the Egg Fortress mm-hmm. and that set all the alarms off and everything, and he has a go at Mighty and then the two of them get um oh uh, just just there's another creep you creep Espio oh. I oughta so that's three at least that's three creeps. That's the this one. Issue. That's the one. I've I not been satisfied. God, I never noticed this before. On either of the I... previous ones, I've not been satisfied that that's the drawing I was thinking of that there was when someone said creep and it's this one. Three creeps in one issue! Amazing. Because, oh, I don't know that we pointed this out earlier. The reason why someone flagged this up to us is that, like, creep means something else now. Like, creep now, it kind of means, like, someone who's perving on someone, yeah, doesn't it? I never thought about it, but... Yeah. I think that, well, I think that's what they were saying in the tweet, but maybe not. Maybe yeah, I put if, that on If it. you describe someone as a creep, a creep. now... There's yeah, there's there's a sort it's of like, oh, pervy connotation. Yeah. yeah, it's someone creeping on someone. It, it's a sort of sex pest. Whereas <laughs> in this, yeah, back in the nineties, it was a good gets past the television censor mm. 
insult to throw at a bad guy. Yes, that's all it meant in in this sort of thing. I'm sure it meant the other thing elsewhere, but in children's media, it just meant baddie. My favourite being in Santa Claus the movie, where the boy calls Dudley Moore's elf a dummy, stupid idiot, stink face creep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, I wonder if SVO's personality is needlessly antagonistic. Mm. Because obviously I remember him being like that, mm. but I also remember the entire Chaotix crew being like that in every interaction they have with Charmy. <laughs> so I don't know <laughs> yeah. if it's in any way unique to Espio. Yeah. But also there is there is more... This feels like a slightly more grown-up set of Sonic characters than we're used to because they are essentially always at each other's throats in some way or another. That seems to be how they function as a team. <laughs> You're not wrong, but I was just going to say, yeah, because they're the ones with f***ing jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Guardian of the Special Zone is something you could put on your CV, but yeah. they do kind of... Have, I guess I am I think more of them as detectives now because of what they're treated as in modern Sonic media, I guess. Well, really. that's but the thing. Uh, I, I Yes, I do remember sort of being surprised to find that... I think when Sonic uh, Heroes came out, that, oh, yeah. oh, they're detectives. Okay, they're a detective agency now, all right. But then when I stopped to think what I thought they were before, I don't know, just those guys. So I, I, they can be detectives if they want to be. Vigilante hero team. They're sort of the A-team, in a way. They're that sort of And in, in, in that sense, they're absolutely, in fact, no different to Sonic and the rest of his team it, it, in that they fringe, are yeah. the vigilante heroes of their designated realm. Yeah. But I don't know, man. If it, I, when it comes to Chaotix, it feels like it's their job mm. to me. That, that's, that's the vibe I get off these characters, is that yeah. these are not people who would choose each other's company. Yeah. They're here because, uh, because they have a job to do. No, yes, exactly. The Freedom Team are friends they are best for ultimately if you were if you were a kid and you're writing your fanfics the key thing in your mind is that they're all friends never mind sonic's abrasiveness never mind pixel brain mm. they're all best friends these guys surly co-workers yeah <laughs> couple of nice flourishes from Elson in this one, too. I mean, when do you ever get a strip that doesn't have a nice Elson flourish? I like the bit wherever Knack kicks the grill off the wall and the metallics then activates infrared vision. Mm. And he like he, he looks through the wall. He doesn't... He, you know, you'd think he might just look through the vent. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, instead, he, yeah, he turns on, like, <laughs> infrared vision. And we get this... Um, Boop, boop, Terminator red-tinted vision I've of them all inside that. the vent. When I'm 11 and 12, uh, in fact, I've got somewhere a comic, a pre-Metallics comic in which I think a Metal Sonic does turn on the Metal Vision, and I got, but I got it from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which I think was doing a joke on Terminator. But it's yeah. just the fact of like, oh, if I'm drawing this, I get to pick what information is scrolling and stuff like that. <laughs> Wireframe meshes around the characters, all of that. Love a bit of Robot Vision me. And, uh... Charmy wants to know, what do we do now? And Vector thinks, I guess he'll demand we surrender. And then the narration caption screams, wrong! <laughs> and he just laser blasts the wall open. Oh, that's a rare thing, a caption that just goes, wrong! We've had, there was a bit of that in the Sonic strip, this issue, where the uh, where the caption box sort of talked to the characters. There was the Tails one, oh, I wish I knew if Sonic got away okay. And then in the next panel where the... He comes flying out on the jet box. The but the caption box says, he did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> and yeah, it ends with uh, with Knuckles squaring up. Knuckles up for a throwdown with Metallics. Yeah. So next issue, it's Knuckles versus Metallics. Yes. I mean, we had that fight already. I don't care. Knuckles I want it again. Knuckles was knocked out by one flying punch from Metallics oh, last time. Time for but, him to uh, redress that balance then. It's 
about time we saw Knuckles fist fighting a metallic, so I'm all for it. Can't wait. Yeah, I don't remember what happens in the fight next issue, so... <sighs> yeah, maybe Knuckles will be killed. <laughs> it's a Q&A special on the Q-Zone again, as once again David Gibbon delves into the Q-Zone mailbag in an attempt to put an end to Boomer's brain-eating queries. And quite frankly, half of the... In fact... Pretty much all of the, all but one of the Q&A send-in letters Mm -hmm. are people going, Hey, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I particularly enjoyed this episode of the Q-Zone. Yes. He's on the defensive, is old David, this time. That's it, it's a defensive uh, Q-Zone, yeah. First one, question. When I read the Q-Zone in STC 48, I was very excited to see a cheat for one of my favourite Mega Drive games, The Lion King. However, I was bitterly disappointed when I couldn't get the cheat to work. Have you made a boo-boo, or am I doing something wrong? From Michael Bicewill, County Lewis Island, Jonathan Horrell, Benfleet, Essex, Sebastian Hall, Warwickshire, Neonan Eaton, Charlie Owen, no address supplied, and loads more of you. And uh, Gibbon replies, whoops! <laughs> Unfortunately, I should have said sound effects and not sound test. Oh. Sorry to all feline-type boomers everywhere. Whew. In an attempt to make up for it, here's the correct cheat. Yeah. And if it doesn't work this time, then my name's Simba, which it isn't, so there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Similar uh, situation on Earthworm Jim. Question, when I tried the Earthworm Jim cheat in STC 48, same STC... From the same issue? (laughs) This was a bad Q-Zone. Oh, God. Nothing happened. I paused the game and I pressed A left BB, AA right BB and A, but to no avail. Please put me out of my misery... Uh, I think he probably wants to. And tell me what's wrong. From Mike Saxon, Stockport, Cheshire. From Charlie Emery, Bo London, and Adam McLeod, Macclesfield, Cheshire. The response to this one says they've received a lot of letters on this, although they've only named three people, (laughs) um, and not loads more, as in the Lion King one. (laughs) The fact is, the cheat was actually correct. Who said that's unusual? (laughs) A lot of you boomers have been entering the cheat in the wrong way. And the way... Mm. So this is... The way you're supposed to enter uh-huh. it here. Start the game as normal, then press start to pause, and on your joypad, press A and left together, right. then BBA, then A and right together, right. finally B, A, and B. And then hopefully the, the, uh, a picture of the programmers will appear, and you'll hear the words cheater, <laughs> which I like. And, well, he's not wrong. Like, we went uh, back yeah, and we checked. And it does tech. It is technically written out A and left yeah. BBA etc. But it's not. I don't think it's clearly enough explained. You've got to put A plus left with no space. Yeah, you got to use a plus That's sign. Then the comma. But they've yeah, gone A, a and, space yeah. and the the word space yeah. left. No, no. I can see why there was so much confusion. Uh, next one in STC. Now this is funny. This mm. this one's fun because. It caused us to, to doubt ourselves for a yes. bit, too. You saw me casting this one out to the crowd yesterday, I imagine. Yes. This one came in now from Lucian Young in Morpeth, Northumberland, mm. Stephen Harris, Andrew Coyne, Loads of Michael Beresford, and many more. And they ask, In SDC 50, you mentioned you would like to hear from anyone who managed to get all the way through Sonic and Knuckles to reach the Doomsday Zone. Well, I've gone and done just that. Good on them, well done. And uh, Gibbon then explains how one achieves this feat and says start by plugging sonic 3 into sonic and knuckles next play right through sonic 3 and s and k collect as many of the emeralds as you can you need a minimum of seven to reach the doomsday zone however all 14 emeralds are needed to become hypersonic and then he explains how the doomsday zone works he explains in great detail and i think perfectly well like nearly everything in this is a really good explanation of how to get to and defeat everything in the doomsday zone 
Well done. The Q-Zone mailbag overflowed following the request to find players who reached the Doomsday Zone. Congratulations to all Sonic-type geniuses out there, but the first one to reach the STC office was Lucian, so a special well done to you. Then there's a few game genie codes for Sonic and Knuckles as well. But, now, we had this same confusion whenever the thing was printed originally, that the claim is maintained here that you have to put Sonic 3 and Knuckles together to get the Doomsday yeah. Zone. And we've talked about how we kind of grew up thinking you did have to do that. Yeah. And identified STC as the reason we thought that. But you don't. You don't. You definitely don't. You simply don't have to. And there was no need for him to mention you it. You just play through Sonic and Knuckles as Sonic and get all the emeralds and you can get the Doomsday Zone. I'll tell you this. I recommend playing through Sonic 3 and Knuckles. That's best. Absolutely. No, you you don't have to do that. And all of this seems to like really set in stone that David Gibbon believes and is telling us that you have to plug the two together to get the Doomsday Zone. It's been, it's we've danced around the subject before. We've thought that was what he was saying before. No, it's what he thinks you have to do. Yeah. Plug them in. Yeah. You know why it is? Not not good enough at Sonic to get the emeralds without that save feature. <laughs> he can't do it. And needs all the extra opportunities from playing through Sonic 3 and Knuckles. That's what it is. Because isn't it, like, easier to do it? Can you do the old Sonic 2 trick where you just hit reset and then you Ooh, can get know. it from the first level again? Ooh, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Because mm. there was a, if you don't know, listeners, there was a thing where you could hit reset in Sonic 2 and you would, like, the amount of emeralds you had would stay in RAM or something? So yeah. you could... Or was it Sonic 1? So you could... No, Sonic 2, I think. Yeah, so you could become supersonic in the first level. I mean, you can become supersonic before you end the Emerald Hill Zone if you're a good player. Uh, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, then I confess I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> there are seven star posts really? in the two Emerald Hill Zone acts, so you can you can get uh, supersonic if you can ace them all. Oh, well, I mean, I'd just be put the cheat in. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't we all? But we're past that now. <laughs> adults now. But yeah, no, um, obviously we still, it's its really got in our brains. I, and I think we have had, from you petitioning the audience, just to be extra safe. This is the sure. thing. I, I asked our listeners <laughs> on Twitter yesterday when I was reading this and like, thank you to everyone who responded. Now we know. Now, I mean, I could have done it. I could have sat down and done it, but that would have taken a long time. Yeah, now we know. And Noim is half the battle. But he is correct in his description here as if you oh, just yeah. even if you just get seven, even though they're all wheaked off you and taken off to the Super yep. Emerald Shrine yep. at the start of S Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Mushroom Hill Zone. Even if you have seven, you can still get the Doomsday Zone. Yep. Even if you don't get a single Super Emerald. Yeah. You will default to Super Sonic even though you can't play as him in the rest of the game. Oh. Yeah. So everything here is right. And again, and he, and he quite detailedly explains what to do with the missiles and all that. It's just he's wrong at the his opening gambit. That's all. And then uh, last one on here is uh, Shinobi for the Master System. Philip Haynes from Farnborough is looking for a level select and an invulnerability cheat. And he doesn't have an invulnerability cheat, but he gets a level select. And again, it's another weird Master System code. Press down and left together with button two. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't say where you do it. Oh, yeah. Just anywhere in the game, maybe? Yeah, it doesn't say... Do you pause it? Do title you do it on the title screen? screen? It must be title. Say, you it? should now be able to select the starting stage, so it must be the title screen. I guess so, but it doesn't say, does it? Shoddy work all round. I feel as if pressing the joypad diagonally down and left while holding button two is something that would happen constantly in game by mistake. So it must be. No, true. true it must yeah. just be the title screen, mustn't it? Because that's not a very complicated code. You just go like boop, and that's it. Boop. Still. An illustration of the shoddy quality 
of the Q zone all around. Yeah, although I'm starting to, I'm starting to like the rapport that David Gibbon has, where he's prepared to apologise and revisit things. And... It's far more interesting than two issues of Mickey Mania <laughs> <laughs> or Earthworm Jim or whatever. Gives us something to talk about. Mm. News no news zone in STC this time, but in 1995, at this time, I am on holiday. As we have established, I'm away for a week oh, in Devon. it's the summer! It's the summer holiday! And we've gone away to Devon. I've got whatever, probably this issue of STC, or the summer special, or something. I'm drawing Power Rangers. Because it's got this one has the Power Rangers ad on the back, folks. Exactly! It's either this or the summer special, or something. Yeah. And, um, I have here for you the ultimate 1995 childhood holiday day, right? This is okay, well. Well, I, I'm expecting though yeah. a lot of very Bulmer-specific uh, branding. Indeed, indeed. Now, <laughs> there's actually this isn't the one I want to read you, but there's another day where we go to a thing called the Milky Way, and if you look this up, the Milky Way, you'll get a website full of you know animated images of roller coasters and stuff. It's one of the UK's top theme parks. Uh, I have described it here, and this is as I remember it. So perhaps it wasn't as fully developed in 1995. Uh, <clears throat> Tuesday the 11th, we went to the Milky Way today. It's a cows thingy. <laughs> A cow's thingy. I guess that's where it got its name. I remember it having an indoor play area, um, some cows, and a thing about milk, and a man who told us an incredibly dirty joke. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like joke? employed. He was employed by the park. Wait, sorry. Do you remember the joke? Not only do I remember the joke, it's written down here in my diary. Do you want to? <laughs> do you want to hear brilliant. a rude joke? <laughs> I want to hear a rude joke. All right. This was um, told to us by a man while doing a birds of prey demonstration. You know, the sort of thing. Okay. I've got a... Falconing. Yeah, I've got a thing on my arm. I throw the owl away. He comes back. He says... and it's, <laughs> I can only imagine my mum being like, shall I put hands over ears for this? <laughs> a man walks into a bar with a vulture. It's a vulture-based joke, so it's very, very top of the... Yeah, clearly workshop for the working environment. He puts it on a chair and he says, it's trained. He gets out his nose. And I remember the man saying, John Thomas here. This is where I learned, John Thomas. So yes. He gets out his John Thomas and he puts it in the vulture's open beak. The vulture doesn't close his beak. The chap hits the vulture really hard, right on the top of its head, and it still doesn't close his beak. The landlord says, that's very good. And the chap with the vulture says, yeah, he's very well trained. Anybody else want to try? <laughs> and a girl says, I will, but don't hit me as hard as you hit the vulture. <laughs> there you go. That's what I told the crowd of children that. Womp womp. UK summer holiday, folks, in the 90s. Um, no, but this is the ultimate day. The listen to this. Mm. Flipping it. Where shall I start? I begin. Today, we went to Linmouth. <laughs> now, oh, oh think of that. Where? Linmouth, right? I'll tell you what Linmouth is. It's a town. There you go. That's what Linmouth is. Okay. But it does have a gimmick. It's a town with a gimmick. There's another town called Linton, right? And one is really high and one's really low. And you go on a sort of diagonal train car thing. Up them. It's very exciting. But that 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 ain't all. Uh, no, I'm I'm not joking. This is a very nineties summer holiday in okay, the UK. Okay, okay, okay. First, we had the nicest Mr. Whippies in England. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, now you're talking. Ooh. Let me tell you about these whippies, mate. Right. Tell me. Right. I've bit 
we used to go back year after year to get just these. They don't do them anymore. I've been back. So mm. you go, you find this shop. It's got a big, you know, Mr. Whippy, I'm, you know, I'm to any soft scoop ice soft cream. Soft serve ice cream, yeah. You've got a big statue of this outside. It's half pink, half white. So that's a clue as to Ooh, the delights yeah. still to come. You can get your Whippy in vanilla or strawberry flavor, and sure enough, you can get them to whip up a combination of the two. Somehow, even that, mm. barely conceivable by modern mind. Oh. Do you know, not, not to... Put, suck the wind out of this story. Do you know what I had once? What did you have once? God alone knows how they accomplished it. This was only a couple of years ago. But it was soft serve ice cream where it came out the machine uh-huh. with the sauce swirled in it. <gasps> Whoa! I know! Oh, what has science good. done? <laughs> okay, well I'll tell you what science has done because I don't think that beats what this guy did, right? Oh, right, that's good because it would take the wind out of the flow of the story otherwise and we would have to re-edit it. He, squir- <laughs> he squirted you out his big whip and it's a big one. It's always bulging mm. out. You have to hold it mm. carefully. What if you didn't have to hold it carefully? What if it stayed in place somehow so you didn't have to worry about it all flopping off? He takes your whipped up, squirted out whippy cone and he dunks it upside down in a vat of chocolate, mm, and it comes out, and, and it, at that point, it all freezes over because of the coldness of the ice, and now it's crack, it, it's like magnum-style cracking solid layer of ice cream. Flipping heck! And you've got a flake under that! Flipping heck! I mean, Flipping I, heck. I know I it exists in the abstract, mm. but I've never had it. No, it was amazing. Because with my, right, with your, what's it called, magic shell stuff? What's that called? Mm. That stuff. You're squirting that on. You're hoping it solidifies. And it's at home, so it's usually a, a hard scoop. You know, it's balls of ice cream. This one, mm. you've got your soft serve. So what you get to do is you get to bite the point off. A chocolate point. You bite it. There's <laughs> ice cream in it. Flipping head. So that's the start of our day out, right? I, well, I mean, i got to be honest, though. It's like... I. Isn't the fun of a whippy licking it? Yeah, because like, you can still do that. Whirling it round and such, but you can't do that if it's you contained inside an entirely yes, solid chocolate can. shell. Yes, you can, because you bite off the entirely solid chocolate shell, and then you lick it. I'll tell you what the other joy... Well, you, you, well, I'll tell you what yes. the other joy is, and that is when it starts to get melty, you bite the end off the cone, and you suck oh, it yeah. through like yeah. a big <laughs> straw. Yeah. So Andy, my brother, he had vanilla... Now... Based on my description here, mine definitely sounds the best, and I hope that Andy made his choice based on preference, not based on not having watched me make the choice and going, mm. oh, I didn't know you could do that, okay? So, <laughs> because otherwise I'll, I'll feel bad. Andy had vanilla dipped in melted chocolate, sure, right? I had combination vanilla and strawberry dipped and with a flake. Ooh. You see, that's definitely better. The, you, hang on, you put the flake in and then you I dip think it? Or you, put, or you think... dip it and then you smash the flake through oh, the shell? Oh, wait. I was going to say I thought the flake was underneath, but now you've mentioned that, that smashing imagery is there in my mind. So maybe that. Oh, I don't know. Which way would you prefer? I can't decide. I don't know. It's a tricky choice, isn't I it? Po- I don't know. I want to poke now, though. <laughs> Get it from the shop with the big half pink and half white plastic ice cream outside. Okay, so Andy had a visual. He's made a decision there. He that, knew I feel what was going on. Then we went up the cliff railway to the shops there in Linton, and we went into... <laughs> <laughs> You've taken yourself by surprise by this sentence. We went into the cool news agents. <laughs> I think the reason it's cool is that the previous year we'd been there and I bought a little um, blind bag My Pet Alien from it. 
And so I'm like, yeah, brilliant. That's the perfect place to spend your pocket money. So we're back in there again. Andy buys some bubbly, brackets, gum, just in case a future reader doesn't know what bubbly is, and a pack of Power Rangers cards. Yes. I bought, because we've got a bit of pocket money each day, right? We've got like a... a, I think what it is, we've got 10 pound, not a note, pound coins to stretch across the week, right? I bought a Series 2 bumper pack of Pogs. Of course. And then we went back down and we had lunch. And Mum just gave us, as a present just out of her bag, two of those acrobatic boglins that you throw at the wall. Now, don't (laughs) picture a full-size boglin. They're little and they're made out of splatty, gooey stuff. And you throw them at the wall and they stick. And they stain the wall, so you can't. Those ones. But we've got two little boglins. We're back at the top of the cliff again. And uh, we're back on the pocket money, Chris. We're like, you know what? We're never going to get a better shop than this cool newsagent. Spend, spend, spend. spend, spend, spend. I get... A blind bag of comics, and here's what's in it. Ooh, I do like a blind bag. Three Beano specials and a best of Topper. Ooh! (laughs) (laughs) What a day! What a day out! Can you flipping imagine a day like that? You had an ice cream and went to the newsagents. I mean, (laughs) I mean, jeez! When you put it like that. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i saying that in a funny way, but is that not truly Honestly, the quintessential? Yeah. Like, Isn't it? When the day was your own and the sun was out beating the rocks and you could just go to the newsagents if you wanted to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, though. <laughs> but yes. I'm still appalled at how little you mentioned Sonic the Comic in this thing. Well, I know. I mean, that's taken for granted, Sonic the Comic. I suppose so. Sparkster. Last of the Rocket Knights, Part 4, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Keith Page, and letters by Steve Potter. The guards whom Sparkster has managed to free from Gerol's spell lead him to the East Tower, where the source of the enchantment lies. With time running out before Gerol and Sherry's wedding, Sparkster overpowers the Gerol soldiers guarding the tower and enters to find a huge glowing gem radiating evil magic so powerful it threatens to overwhelm even him. See, there's one thing on this first page that really, um... That get old soldier is worryingly hot, isn't he? <laughs> Look at him. Look at him in his head-on view there. Side-on with the big snout sticking out, not so much. That head-on view. Thumbs yeah. over the belt, just hoisting thumbs it up over there, the, staring yeah, off it, into the middle distance. Oh no, he's hot. <laughs> looking off slightly to one side. Yeah, you, you, you wonder if Keith Page popped open a magazine to copy the pose, you know? It's a fashion model pose, that is. Because he's head-on, you can't really see that he's a lizard. He's just yeah, a green yeah. guy. He's just got tusks. Mm. That I was distracted by the unusual... If this was another artist who didn't spend the rest of this whole issue doing... Get more of his incredibly intricate and mm. amazingly impressive background art. I would wonder what was going on in the first page with the fact that the perspective's all completely to shot on that first panel. Look at the door. Look at the, the, the way that you're looking down at the door. Mm. And then none of the rest of the perspective matches up with that. It, oh, I see what you're saying. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yes, there's, there's something interesting going on. It just doesn't all line up. But it's made up for by the fact that we are looking down from the... Uh, well, not the rafters, because it appears to be a stone area, but the mm. ceiling. We're looking down past all of these really intricate pipes that frame the art in a really cool way. And they're covered in bits 
there's a little conveyor belt bit. There's another little conveyor belt. There's bits coming off that are weighted. There's turny roundy bits, twizzly bits, pistony bits. There's no end of bits coming off mm-hmm. these pipes, and I really appreciate And not even... Now, normally, I remember being a kid and looking at, you know, uh, backgrounds. In fact, we saw one earlier, um, the uh, the opening shot of Chaotix, where the the Emperor Metallics is sitting in a room full of bits, walls covered in bits, mm. and they're, you know angular lines and random circles here and there to give the impression of machinery this isn't that this is actually observed from yeah, real yeah. machinery it all would do something if you turned it and that's incredible what on earth are you doing how are you doing that keith page this is amazing i don't know how to do it now i don't know what machinery you would have to have been looking at to do i don't that. know why i felt so unmoved by the art in the first chapter when there's been so much of this good stuff in all the subsequent ones because rocket knight adventures was always a very steampunky aesthetic in in the video mm, yes. game oh, and yes. he's clearly got a talent for for this kind of mechanical st- well, well for both of these of things he's got this mechanical talent but he's also got these ornate fantasy lands as well. He really brings the two things together perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of ornate fantasy lands, so in the, the bottom of the next page, or yeah. well, no, not even the bottom, like more than half of the next page, is this incredible shot of the princess being walked through the town on this chariot drawn by two, I don't know... Lizard horses? Dragon horses? Yeah, they're, they're somewhere yeah. between. And then again, there's a crowd, and in the background of that crowd, it's all kicking off. There, you know, buildings, buildings wise, buildings, but then there's rails, railway there's a bridges. Little train going past there. There's then, multiple yeah. railway bridges, both with a train on them, going in different angles. Like so many artists would just half-ass this, but yes. Page never misses an opportunity to do both things. Yeah, to do the little medieval fantasy kingdom. Yeah, and the steampunk technology in there as well. Never misses an opportunity. No, it, it's almost as if sort of. And and you could have towns like that. You know, we have towns in the UK that have both a medieval castle, or maybe not medieval, but a castle, and also, you know, railway bridges and things like this. But in this world, they are built on top of each other and threading through each yeah. other. You can see here that one of the train bridges does seem to connect up with this old, gothic-looking, knobbly castle, which is the one yeah, that the one Sparkster, Sparkster is looking, looking out of. of yeah. See him in silhouette there. Amazing! really really and he's drawn in all the crowd members as well i mean you know if there's if and this is so minor but if there's one feeling that that he has at Mm -hmm. all he can't quite render the anime style that the rocket knight characters are really designed for i was just thinking this actually whatever keith i'm going to look it up in a moment whatever keith page normally draws people like it won't be like this because they're Mm -hmm. all anime mice looking guys but it's not that he hasn't No, he hasn't matched the style from the games, but he has come up with something that is itself perfectly fine to look at. Yes, I mean, that's what I was going to say. It's not that it's bad. It's just that it's somebody trying to draw a character model from anime who's not used to drawing anime, rather than having invented anything in his own right. It's just a slightly off-model anime. So it just looks like a janky Korean direct-to-video special. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Anyway, they get closer to the tire, and yeah, the the strength of the spell starts to get worse, so these guards that he's brought with him, even his armor, won't be able to overpower the spell, so he locks Mm. them in a cupboard. Yeah, uh, yeah. (laughs) I like that throughout this issue, there is this kind of ticking time bomb, which is that, yeah, the closer you get 
by the end of it, even Sparkster is starting to be overwhelmed by mm. the spell. It, uh, I think that's really cool because it, it isn't just in, you know, the panel beforehand, which I think we would get out of, let's say, Golden Axe, something like that. Sure, yeah. In this, it's progressing all the way through the strip that they're coming up to something. Um, but before well, that's, that... I mean, that's not so much a ticking time bomb. The ticking time bomb well, is Sherry is on the way to the church. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. But before all of that, we do get this moment where... Um, he uses his rocket pack. Nigel keeps remembering. This is the thing. Nigel is good at remembering what the individual powers of the people he's writing are, what this character does in the game, and incorporating it. And so here we get a bit of rocketing about. You know, he probably didn't need to because he's just exploring a castle. But there's some baddies. He rockets into them. And I really appreciate that in order to get his rocket pack going, he puts his little goggles on. <laughs> yeah, he's got to protect his eyes, yeah. you know? <laughs> Love that. I like that bit of the guards are... You hear that? Hear what? I know, sort of a roaring, shushing sort of sound. Yeah. Uh, sort of sound a rocket pack might make as Sparkster comes <laughs> barreling round the corner and the guard sees him. Oh, yes, exactly. How'd you figure that out? <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to the bit that really stands out to me in this issue, mm. which is that everything goes green as Sparkster approaches this, this which we don't know what it is. There's going to be a, a source of the evil power or of the evil spell or whatever. What is this going to be? And we are delivered it in two stages. First, we see over the shoulder of Sparkster this incredibly intricate room chamber. I'm not really yeah. actually sure what it is, but it's incredibly intricate. There's skulls all over the wall. There's skulls curly and tentacles and horns and grotesques and things. They've been all the way through this issue, like... Whenever Keith Page can put skulls on things, he does put skulls <laughs> on things. There's a shot where they're just walking down a corridor and you can incidentally see the is the word buttressed to the arched ceiling above him. And he's just drawn this is on page one. He's drawn a little skull at each time the, the sticks, the buttresses meet. Oh god, There's I didn't even notice that. I yeah. know, they, he's put it he's putting them everywhere. See in page, the Gadol guards yeah. have skull knee pads, skull yeah. shoulder pads, necklaces of skulls linking their shoulder pads, and skull belt buckles. Yeah. So it's it's just the get all aesthetic, isn't it? Yeah. And yet here we are on a page that's nothing but them in just a, an intricate design mm. and he he looks up i guess or it's it's like it's in front of him i'm not sure where this thing comes from but yeah yeah the, the staging isn't so hard no enough. but suddenly he is face to face with this let's say giant crystal but he draws yeah. it the way i've never seen such a thing be drawn it's not you know you'd be tempted to draw a big master emerald shape wouldn't yeah. you yeah but it's, it's irregular. A, it's not a nice, yeah. neat gemstone. It's just it's, a big it's clump. Just a big lump. Yeah. And instead of colouring it as you'd be tempted to, as as people do with Chaos Emeralds, colouring it green and putting a bit of shine on, no. Every facet of this irregularly faceted clump is a reflection of Sparkster. And because they're irregularly faceted, each and every one is twisted and stretched and exaggerated in a different way, like a hall of crazy mirrors. It's amazing to behold and it's zapping with all lightning and beams are coming off it and it's held in the air by a series of sort of pistony looking pipey looking things cool so obviously this is where the evil magic is coming from. yeah that'll be it <laughs> this will probably be the so thing he's got to overpower it and smash it or something and that'll solve everything but he just ends with a big scream as he stares it down mm. and our final panel we cut away to the cathedral where 
King Geralt is waiting at the altar, and his mum's just there with him. Oh, here she comes down. Nothing can stop you. Yeah, next issue, marriage vows. The wedding is to go ahead, unless Sparkster can, well... He's got a sword and he's got a jetpack. I'm sure he'll come up with something. Well, I assume he's going to have to overcome either his evil reflections brought to life mm. or, or or something like that, but he's not just oh, going to bring the sword. Oh, that right. would be cool if all of these different reflections come out of it as an evil Sparkster he has yeah. to fight. Oh, I like I that. mean, I don't remember, so I'm quite <laughs> looking forward to finding out. And I, I like that, but I'm happy now I'm at that point yeah. where... I'm actually quite excited to find out what happens next. Hmm. Yeah, I'm coming. I've, uh, yeah, after having a quite a, a an unremarkable start on this one, I've really come round to it now. Yeah. As a kid, I didn't appreciate the sheer artistic craft that was going into hmm. uh, the backgrounds. No, I'm not sure why. As a kid, I loved Richard Elson so much for the clear talent on display, but then couldn't register it here. But I know I, I, we had we just formed biases by that point. We just only I mean, care it was about one Sonic, artist. wasn't it? You know, mm. and also, I mean, I did have that one barrier to entry with Rocket Knight, which was that it's not based on the game I'd play. Yeah. Sports. Sonic Night Fever. Thomas Frodsham from St. Helens asks, do Sega plan to record a cassette or compact disc mm. of theme tunes taken from mm. the Sonic games? Oh, I like that mm. a lot. That's a good, good, good idea. Because I wanted that as well. You know, I've made my own around this time by lugging a full-size hi-fi. Well, not full-size, but a hi-fi. Not just a ghetto mm, blaster. Yeah. A, no. a block. I lugged it up the road to my friend's house to plug in with the phonos and record as much sonic music as I possibly could off his sound tests. Very very nice of him to allow me to do it's that. It's the fact that you used leads to do it instead of mm. just holding a microphone up and holding and hoping that for the I, best. That I had previously done. This was a yeah. do-over of that. This was to replace <laughs> that. <laughs> I thought as much... Well, Megadroid says, not that we know of. You'll have to move to Japan where there's a band that plays nothing but games music. I want to know what that means. What band are we talking about? I was hoping you knew. No, I don't. It, it sounds like the sort of thing that would be on Bad Influence or It'll Never Work or something yeah. like that, you know, back in the day. I, of course, now there's loads. And also there's been loads of CD releases of Sonic and all sorts of yeah. things like that. And you don't need it. You, you don't need it in the future, Thomas. Because the internet you exists. Just, you pop your phone out, you go to YouTube, every single Sonic tune you could ever imagine <laughs> and more are there. Enjoy. Fill your boots. Fill your sneakers. James Easton of Falkirk, Scotland, uh, writes in. This is under the banner Closet Reader. Dear Megadroid, I am a Sonic the Hedgehog fanatic, and I drive my aunt crazy by hibernating in the bathroom with my copy of STC. I can imagine mm. that being a winder. If there's only one loo in the house, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Megadroid says, It's time to come out of the water closet, James, and share the STC experience with your aunt. They got to the joke in the end. Closet reader, come out of the water closet. You see what they're aiming for. And uh, we wrap up with one from Kurt Walsh from Colchester, who says he'd like to see Sega make a game called Enter the Cybernick, based on STC's own series, Smart Man Kurt. There could be some cracking gameplay as the Cybernick flies through the air, firing lasers at oncoming badniks. Will he be making a return to STC soon? And Megadroid says, nice idea. You'll be pleased to know the Cybernic returns next issue. Hey. In the new Sonic story, The Rampage of Mechanic. Yes, I was. I had mixed feelings about that because my initial response was like, oh, actually, I don't know if I want to hit a short fuse turning up in a Sonic strip because then you've got two, the protagonist of their strip characters, clashing and it's going to undermine Sonic a little bit. And then I remembered, yeah, but that's also Tails, Knuckles, Amy soon. 
So I guess I'm thinking about how Short Fuse is, you know, presented as like this hero who, in his own strip, is so capable that there doesn't need to be a Sonic. And I'm wondering how that dynamic is going to work in a Sonic strip. But we'll find out next issue. We've got a couple of pieces of uh, fan art sent in. Oh, we didn't call them fan art in those days. It was art sent in. Just art, yeah. yeah. Fortunately, neither again following on the theme of the graphic zone. <laughs> yes. Um, the first is by a Claudia, and we don't know Carmasiu, Carmasiu uh, of Chelmsford, Essex. Uh, Mega Drive owner, Sonic stationary winner, because it's the old uh, Sonic folder and yes. pencil tin. Amy gets the Ring of Confidence. This is a drawing of Amy, uh, and she is doing a little dance. You know, she, she's got you know one hand on her hip, one foot kicked out, and she is twirling a ring on one finger, and she's doing a, a little face. And um, she's got... Uh, Claudia has uh, played with the design of Amy's hair here. She's... Started with not the sticking up Amy spikes that we get in STC, but the sticking back Sonic style spikes. Mm -hmm. But they go all the way down in a big hair of hair, like kind of like Princess Toadstool hair, essentially. She's good yeah. But she's put her in a heck of a dress. I'm not really sure what it's illustrating. Um, it's got a pattern on it. It's a green dress, and it's got a kind of a, a necklace. Yeah. But the pattern on the dress is like, it's a green dress, and imagine these sort of yellow or gold sticks but with a circle in the middle of each one i, d I yeah. wonder what that is i don't know what uh, what's going on they there. look a bit like feels like it could have been referenced from something this is what i'm thinking or a dress that her mum owned a dress or, like or, that or she owned a dress like that or but i wonder did. what it would be what, what would it be like it looks i'll tell you what it looks like it looks like kazoos yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's probably just shapes you know but a child's abstraction maybe and, and she's got these things shoes to match this yeah well. with the same pattern and everything if anyone had a dress like this <laughs> Right in. And as complicated as that one is to make heads or tails of, Robert Webster from Edinburgh, Scotland's, um... I'll leave this one to you. Offering, yeah. Sonic gets ready for the release of the Judge Dredd film mm. out on the 21st of July. Yes. It's the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd film. And he's drawn... Well, it's supposed to be a Judge Sonic. Mm -hmm. Because it's got a badge that says JS on it instead yeah. of D. So it's definitely Judge Sonic, but uh, yeah. it's just a wobbly drawing of judge dread yeah sort of uh, i suppose the key difference is that his helmet doesn't appear to have a chin gap. yeah it's like somebody put a judge dread action figure in the microwave to yes, be completely yes, honest it is a bit it just looks like a sort of melted judge dread figure i don't i don't see where the sonic is coming in no no there's no sonic involved no unless unless what is going on with the chin because the, the helmet just seems to carry on but it's got mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. differently coloured red area, which might be muzzle. You know, it might be Sonic's mouthy bit. It's very confusing. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just Judge Dredd, you know? But with this slot full of what might be teeth. Yeah, if it's supposed to be the... That's the thing. If that area is supposed to be the muzzle, then then he's been drawn with a mouth that is like a... Yeah, a big rectangle. An open white rectangular slot that runs from cheek to cheek. It's it's a, it is a strange one. Well, either way, whatever on earth it is, it's just a, it's <laughs> it's fun to me to see a little Judge Dredd drawing in this and the yeah. increase of Judge Dredd in the popular culture like that. Because with the film about to come out, there is going to be a companion comic from Fleetway that's mm. going to come out. It's called Lawman of the Future, and if I haven't mentioned it on this show already, 
I will definitely be mentioning it and telling my experience with it and how it wraps up my Sonic experience uh, sometime in the next uh, year. So listen out for that. <laughs> but that'll be in some future issue, because for now, that's the end of this issue. Mm. Next issue, The Bad and the Ugly. And we've got a little illustration, Carl Flint again here, of Robotnik with the arms yep. up in the air. Yep. It's practically the default Robotnik pose at this point. For a new Sonic story, The Rampage of Mechanic. The Cybernix back. Knuckles, Chaotic's blasting. Kid Chameleon, Prisoner of Alcatraz. Sparkster gets reflective. And a Skittles a compo! Skittles compo! Are we going to have to get some bags of Skittles and munch on them? Uh, maybe just on principle. I mean, they're not being given away free, <laughs> no, but, you no. know, any opportunity to eat sweets on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> STC 57, another wicked issue. On sale Saturday, the 22nd of July, 1995, £1.15. And it's the last one before the big redesign. Oh, before childhood ends and we all have to... <laughs> Time to put your big boy trousers on. <laughs> Stop reading this childish nonsense. Yes, well, but don't do that. Keep listening to the podcast, yes. please. We did, yes. Yeah, trousers <laughs> because... on, trousers off, we don't mind. We <laughs> yes. have our preference... But we don't mind. Trousers are immaterial. It's just please keep reading and keep listening. And when you want to keep listening, you will find the new episodes anywhere good podcasts are available. But you can also download them directly from our website at stctp.wigglehe.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. It's at Sonic Podcast. And we're there individually. Uh, I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. And I am at Chris McFeely. And we're both on YouTube under those names as well. If you want to support the show, do support the show. It's patreon.com forward slash stctp and you get stuff if you do and you know what by now we've told you over and over again but we do a couple of videos every month one in which we review the Martin Adams books in bits and one in which I read Chris the fanfics that I had by this time started writing the first draft of yes we've lined up with reality you also sometimes <laughs> get deleted scenes that don't make it into the finished podcasts just because they're running too damn long uh, some argue that we may not have lined up with reality but <laughs> you get all of that so go and donate that at any price so we recommend you put in absolutely flipping loads <laughs> because if you don't how will we pay our editor Sam Gabriel you can find his work at samgabrielvo.com our opening theme tune is called Synchronize and it's by a band called Sonic the Comic and you can find it and them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com we recommend you go and do that but we have been Sonic the Comic the podcast and we will see you next time, next time.